Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How's it going? Are you, how are you enjoying Robin Williams' month so far? Well, it's been okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we did an episode for the Patreon where we did a deep dive into his backstory and history and legacy and right. I think doing that because we recorded it early on, yeah, has really helped my experience through Robin Williams' month. Yeah, it's nice to know all of that backstory about him while you're yeah watching his movies. Yeah, just knowing about him is nice. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah. There's more to him than just being funny. Yeah. Although it is like 90% being funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But yeah, he just, it It was nice to, to like confirm all the good feelings that I had about him. Yeah. You know, it was like, yep, he's just a, yeah. a really cool dude. Yeah. Uh, not that I was super worried about it, but. No. But it was good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's been good. And if you want to hear that, maybe you should join the Patreon. I don't yeah. know. Just, you know, think about it. Or do your own research. Yeah, I, I guess. guess. But Or you could just pay us to do it. <laughs> right. You're not going to get it in the smooth tones yeah. of Bucket Snake's Ooh. voice. Yes. You have to read it in your own internal voice. <laughs> That's my smooth voice. Yes. <laughs> That's beautiful. I do also want to say, speaking of the Patreon, even though this is a public episode for everyone uh-huh as we all know we're still in our first year of recording yeah but thanks to the patreon we will soon have some new equipment yeah and we're gonna sound even better yeah so stay tuned for that i know i'm excited the so, patreon paid for most of it which is cool yeah yeah pretty much yeah so thanks just really awesome. patrons i know we appreciate all the support i mean just all the support you know even when you guys just like interact with our instagram posts yeah. it's just nice to know that people are out there listening but especially financial support you know so that we can keep making it better absolutely because it's just really awesome i'm an enneagram one which means i must always be making it better is no that, matter what it is is that right that's my core motivation i don't know what you're talking about well maybe someone out there does probably <laughs> uh yeah so uh thank you and also welcome to the show here we are on the show. I'm Meat Wedge. And I'm Bucket Snake. And this is Replay Rewind. Yeah. It's a podcast. Yeah. Where we talk about movies that we haven't seen since we were kids or maybe we've never seen. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and remember or guess what the movie is about. Then we'll go watch it. Then we'll come back, talk through the plot, give you some trivia. Yeah. And you can impress your friends. And it's a good way to, um, you know, listen to the podcast while you're doing something else where you can't look at a tv right and it'll be like you're watching the movie yeah only funnier because we're funny exactly yeah you're like man i really want to watch 
the rescuers but i also have to clean my kitchen yeah you just listen to the episode exactly while you clean your kitchen mm-hmm. or if you're like man i never want to watch getting even with dad you don't have to but you just I, listen to us i want to know what people think about it slowly lose our minds. i would like to know why it has a three percent on rotten tomatoes without wasting my time sitting down and watching it exactly yeah so you feel productive you can know the whatever the opposite of hype is <laughs> yes yeah so that's it so i have a question for you i'm ready what is your favorite board game oh um Catan. <laughs> yeah i knew that yeah <laughs> i mean i love i love board games i want to play more board games i do wish too. we had more time we play D D every week which is fun yeah and i wish we could I don't know. I wish there were like nine days in a week so that we could have like one D&D night and one board game night cause, just because they're so fun. Yeah. But I like Catan because it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's like easy to learn. Right. But it has a lot of strategy involved. Yes. Which I think is fun. Um, when I was a kid, though, I think I really liked the game of life. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, and I was always gay. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, I'm just hot. Ha ha. It's funny. I, yep. Had Jokes. Kids with this woman. Anyway, and I liked Sorry. I thought Sorry was really fun. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I really like Uno, too. Does that count? That's a card game. I mean, it's, yeah, but I love Uno. Yeah. I like games, I guess, that are, like, easy to learn mm-hmm. and fun. Yeah. Easy but. to learn, difficult to master. Right. I've played Risk a couple times, and I actually own Risk, but yeah. it's so hard to it just learn. It takes so long, too. Yeah. You know, you're like, I'm going, you have to commit a lot of time right. to it. Yeah. Which is like Monopoly. fine if you have the time. Sure. What's your favorite board game? Clue. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. It's always been my favorite. I'm not great at it. Yeah. Somewhere in my Facebook memories was like, I made an event that was like, won her first game of Clue because <laughs> I don't, yeah. I'm not very good at it, but I just love it. I don't know why. Yeah. I lo- it's fun to play. Um, I like Munchkin a lot too. Games where, have you ever played Flux? No, you've told me about it though. That one's fun too. Games where the rules are the same every time, obviously. Well, in Flux, the rules even change, but yeah, but the the outcome or the gameplay is very different yeah so you're like it's like a different experience yeah. every time because i mean i feel like a lot of games are just like it feels the same yeah and games like that don't have really any strategy and it's just kind of based on like dice rolling yeah you know and you can't you can't really try to win it's more like luck yeah those aren't as fun right we my family played a lot of Uno when we yeah, when I was a kid too, yeah. and Trouble. Yeah. And Did we you... still have like our very ancient trouble board. Does it still pop? It kinda sometimes. <laughs> but like the bottom has has gone missing somewhere, so like the cardboard is like oh. it's just it's really janky. But <laughs> my brother and I did the same thing where we were last Christmas we were looking for board games to buy for christmas because we just like that was our plan was just sit around and play games all day with like, yeah. our family which yeah. was really cool but we both it was like seven bucks and we both were like we should buy a new trouble board because ours is and then we were like no no we can't we've been using the same one for the past 30 yeah. years how so, could we i know so we just didn't do it and our parents were like why and we were like we, it's, <laughs> we can't 
retire it. I love that you all were the sentimental ones yeah. about it, and your parents were like, "What?" We kind of convinced them though, we you know, because yeah. when we were explained, they were like, "Yeah, that's fair. It's we've been using the same one for our whole lives." Right. So, does your family play the Uno rule that if you can't put down a card, you have to draw until you can put down a card, or do you just no. draw one? We just draw one and then you move on. See, my family played like you have to draw. Until yeah. you find a card that you can put down. Yeah, so you're just holding like 15 cards yeah, in your hand. which means the game almost never ends. Right. Well, part of the reason that we didn't do that was because when we first started playing, my brother was too small to hold his cards in his hand. Oh. Um. So he like understood how to play, but he just physically could not hold, you know, yeah. too many cards in his hand. Yeah. So our kitchen table was glass. Uh-huh. So he would just set all of his cards face down on the table and sit underneath the table and then point at the one that he wanted to play. Oh my god. Because that so was the funny. only way that he could hold on to them and not have people see his cards. That's so cute. I know. So we would just tell him what was, yeah. you know, what the face up card was and then he would be like, he would just reach up and point at the one that he <laughs> wanted to play. That was really cute. That's adorable. Yeah. What a fun way to do that. Yeah. Well, why are we talking about board games, Meat Wedge? Well, because it is still Robin Williams month. Sure is. Gonna keep being Robin Williams month till the end of the month. That's how it works. <laughs> and so this week we're talking about Jumanji. Uh, that's my excited sound. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I thought you were trying to do like a jungle noise. I, I literally just opened my mouth and that's what happened. I don't know. <laughs> well, great. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I'm so stoked. I love this movie so yeah. much. Like, yeah, me too. Holy shit. I know. I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah. I mean, I've been looking forward to all of them. Yeah. But I think I was most excited, am most excited for this one. Yeah. Out of all of them. Yeah. I because don't know. it has been a long time since I've seen it. Between this one and Hook. Yeah, I was very excited for Hook, too. It's hard to decide which one's better. I mean, not, not that we have to. No. There's no rules. No. I think I'm just excited. I mean, because I enjoy the movie, but I'm interested to see how the special effects hold up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot more special effects in Jumanji than so many. any of the other movies. Yeah. 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 Certainly more special effects than any of the movies we've done so far. Yes, definitely. So we've been doing them in chronological order. Yeah. Starting with Hook, which was 91. 91 Aladdin, 92. Yes. And this one's 95. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, and I don't remember, like, how much of it is puppetry and how much of it is CGI or, like, a mixture of the two. Yeah, that's true. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely see how it holds up and how what it looks like. Yeah. I feel the only one that I remember that I feel like mm, probably doesn't look great is, like, the scene where there are monkeys all over the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And they're, like, hanging off the pot rack and stuff like that. Yeah, that one's probably. I feel like rewatching that and being like, Oh, okay. Those are, you know, Something computer that's monkeys. happening to me now that we've been doing this podcast for as long as we have is that, like, my critical eye for movies yeah. is getting better. Yeah. And I know now more of what to look for. I can't imagine after we've been doing the show for 10 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meet Wedge's face just now. <laughs> uh. Oh, 10 years. I just, I don't know if there's. I guess there are. Ten we years worth of movies to keep do. Keep thinking of movies. That's true. Keep adding them. I know. I know. I know our list right now of like movies to do has like four years worth of movies on it. Yeah. So. Look forward to that, audience. 
Yep. You're stuck with us for the next four years. Yep. You're welcome. Anyway. Only get better. Tell me about Jumanji. So, from what I remember, uh, Parrish. Mm-hmm. What's his first name? Alan. Alan, yeah. It's me, Alan. Yeah, yeah. So, Alan Parrish finds... Well, first of all, he's like, his dad... His parents kind of suck. His dad kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, Owns a shoe factory. Yeah. Leaves him alone for the night. They find... They they go out to something. Uh-huh. His neighbor friend comes over. Uh-huh. They find Jumanji. Was it just already in the house? Where did they find it? I don't know. Because later they find it. Later they the find it in the house. attic, right? Yeah. Does he find it, like, in the sand or in the shoe factory? He's at the shoe factory at some point yeah. as a kid. So he maybe finds it in the... Fa- I don't remember where he finds it yeah, initially. I can't remember either. Because I know at the end is when it's like somebody finds it like in the water. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. I know somebody found it like at a beach. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's at the end. But anyway, he finds it. His friend comes over. They're like, we got the whole night to ourselves and no TV because this is old times. (laughs) So we're going to play this board game and it's a little too realistic. Yeah. Once you start playing, you cannot stop. No. The pieces are magnetic to the board. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, or maybe magic to the board. <gasps> no. But anyway, they play, uh, Alan rolls a five or eight, or he has to, no. He, he lands on a square that says, in the jungle you must wait until is rolled a five or eight. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, the board, it doesn't have anything on it. You just roll, and then when you get to a square, the thing in the center tells you what happens. Which, yes. Wow, that technology is tight. You don't even need cards. Yeah. That's smart. No pieces to lose. Right. But anyway, so he gets sucked into the board. Yeah. You're and... afraid of getting sucked in. <laughs> Not afraid of getting sucked in. <laughs> You're afraid to get sucked out. <laughs> I don't know why that line has stuck with us, but it's so funny. That's the way he says it. The way he says out. You're afraid to get sucked out. <laughs> anyway, so he gets sucked in to the board. And what's, is it just Sarah? Sarah Whittle. Yeah, the neighbor girl yeah. runs away. Yeah presumably right to the psychiatrist's office yeah <laughs> yeah and then like he goes missing years pass and then new people have moved into the house mm-hmm. brother and sister yeah is the sister the girl from jurassic park or am i just thinking of jurassic park i don't know i don't either i also can't remember their names i can't either anyway i don't want to do every detail of the movie because no. we're gonna watch it but yeah Brother and sister move in, find Jumanji. The first thing that is rolled is a five or eight, right? Yeah, I think so. Because then he comes out of the game and he's yeah. like, what year is it? Yeah. The gift that I use like every day, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have to go find Sarah because it won't let them take their next turn right, because it's, it's Sarah's, Sarah's turn. turn. Yeah. yeah. And then when they show up. Oh, and it's cute, too, because he like tries to clean himself up. Yeah. Alan. Yeah, tries to clean like himself up, man. but he's never shaved before because he was like, yeah, eleven when he got sucked into the board. Right. Um. But anyway, so they go find Sarah, and she's like, "I had to go to years of therapy." Yeah. What the fuck are you doing here? Okay. But yeah, they convince her to come back so that the game can keep going, so that they can like get out of it. Basically, like the only way out is through. Yes. Yeah, and they just roll a bunch of wild shit that keeps happening, like the giant mosquitoes. Yeah. There's a flood. Yeah. There's a stampede. Yes. There's the hunter. 
Yes, played by the same guy who plays Mr. Parrish. So that's weird. Yeah. Because it's like Alan's dad uh, is hunting him. Psychology. <laughs> See, yeah, there's like... When we did The Mummy for the Patreon, I was like, it's the hunter from Jumanji. And you're like, no, it's his dad. I don't think I disagreed. I think you did later, like in the notes. Oh. You were like, "That's it's not the hunter, it's his dad. We'll have to go back and check. Because <laughs> No, it's the same guy. I don't think I realized that. Oh. I was just like, oh, I was wrong. Because I do that all the time. Um, <laughs> it's a common theme for me being wrong. And uh, the little boy turns into a monkey. Yeah, he gets turned into a monkey. He grows a tail and it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a little uh, hair on his face. Yeah. Oh, and there's a cop. There's like one cop that's trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's David Allen Greer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because everybody else sees it happening too. It isn't like just in their minds. Right. Like, there really is a stampede that runs through the town. Yeah, the, there's a monkey, like, jumping up and down on the cop car and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember them getting, like, the the floor of the attic turns into quicksand. Yep. And they get, like, sucked halfway through it. And then yeah. all the giant bugs are, like, coming to get them. Ah, oh, there's big spiders. To, like, yeah, spiders. And they have to, like, get an axe and, like, chop out of it. Yeah. And then there's, like, the... When the house floods, there's an alligator. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much happening. I know, there's like giant vines like all up in the foyer and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a scene where the little boy, whose name I don't remember. I don't either. But he... And I can't see his face. I can only see him as a monkey. Yeah, I can see his little monkey face. Because <laughs> she tells him, Sarah, nice. honestly, it might be, Sarah, played by Helen Hunt, mm-hmm. is like, go to the tool shed or somebody tells him to go to the tool shed and get an axe but then he goes and it's locked and then he picks up an axe and starts to try to chop down the door and then he's like oh "Oh," and he just looks at the camera with his sad little monkey face (laughs) and then runs back into the house i remember that super distinctly yeah i cannot picture the older sister's face at all i know and i don't think that it's the girl from jurassic park i think i'm just imagining her because i remember her just like covered in like mud and yeah yeah okay that makes jurassic park and yeah well We'll find out. But yeah, it's a really good movie. They mm-hmm. finish the game. Everybody lives. Yeah. Their mom is there too. The two kids' mom. Yeah. In the in jungle? the movie. In the uh, what? In the jungle? Well, no, because she, I think she, she's like at work or something. And then when she comes home, the house is turned into a jungle and she's just like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they just bought that house too. Right. <laughs> yeah. It gets pretty rough pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, Sarah and Alan are like kids again. Yeah. They finish the game and they're kids again. And then like his dad comes home and he's like, dad, I missed you so much. And he's like, we've been gone for like two hours. Yeah. They do get to go back in time. Yeah. And then like 30 years later, they're like together and they go to that house and to meet the kids to be like, and they're all kind of like, why do we know you? Oh, yeah. Because it just, because they they meet up again. Yeah. As like adults. Oh, shit. But I don't remember exactly how that works. Because something, they're like, do you want to do something? And Sarah and Alan both go, no! <laughs> and they're like, I mean, no. Thank you. Yeah. But I can't remember what it is. But it's great. Yeah. So Sarah and Alan remember, but the kids don't. Because it's like it never happened? I guess? Or they do remember. I don't know. But when would it have happened? Because they weren't born yet. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have Ooh. to find out. I'm excited. Did you watch Zathura? I saw a lot of it Yeah, once when I was selling my plasma in college. <laughs> but no. Yeah. It's also good. It's like an actual yeah. sequel. Yeah. 
Um, it's just in space. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. <laughs> Jumanji in space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's a lot more melancholy because it's yeah. just like these brothers that can't stand each other, and one of them, oh. or siblings that can't stand each other, and one of them like wishes that the other one would disappear or yeah. whatever. And Dax Shepard plays an astronaut. Tight. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. It's uh, it's fun. Anyway. Yeah. I'm excited. We're gonna go watch it. I know I'm always excited. You guys are gonna. Maybe, if you want. Go check out our Patreon. Yeah, go get you some red vines to eat. Nice. Get you some animal crackers. Yeah. Yeah, and then go check out our Patreon. Our Patreon. Patreon.com slash replay rewind podcast. Uh, we'll tell you more about it at the end of the show. Bye. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, that was a fucking dicey movie. <laughs> Get it? Yes. Dicey? Yeah. Because there's dice, but also, like, there's a lot of danger. Yes. And, like, they might not make it out. Right. Yeah. I get it. You get it? Yeah. Cool. The IMDb says, when two kids find and play a magical board game, they release a man trapped in it for decades and a host of dangers that can only be stopped by finishing the game. Yep. Yep. In fact, that's it. Yeah. Wrap it up. That's what happened. All right, bye. So... The opening scene. Yes. We're in a forest in we the are. year 1869. Nice. We see... <laughs> Vintage nice. <laughs> we see these two little boys walking through the woods with lanterns. Uh-huh. And they have brought with them, like, a big chest on a cart. And whatever is in this chest is making their horses very nervous. Yeah. Are they normal-sized horses? They appear to be normal-sized okay. horses, yeah. Good to know. We hear, like wolves howling in the distance and the older brother says don't worry it's just a pack of wolves Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting because it's like yeah but they've played jumanji exactly yeah yeah they're like oh wolves we can deal with yeah that's fine that's normal yeah those belong here right and so he says come on we're almost rid of it and so they take this chest to a big old hole that they've dug and toss it down in there yeah but as they do that the little brother like falls in and we hear like these like drum noises and he starts yelling. He's like, Caleb, Caleb, it's after me. Yeah. And his brother yanks him up out of the hole. And he just tries to, like, book it. Mm-hmm. But his brother grabs him. Caleb, the older brother, grabs him. is like, no, Benjamin, we got to finish it. Mm-hmm. So then they bury it. Yes. And as they're burying it and leaving, the little brother says, what if someone digs it up? And Caleb says, may God have mercy on his soul. Why don't they just destroy it? 
I don't know. Why don't they just set it on fire? I don't know. It's made of wood. Yeah. Somebody's gonna dig it up. Yeah. You bury it. It's not gonna stay buried. I feel like you could ju- I guess maybe you could find new ones, but what if you just toss the dice? Yeah. Then somebody looks at it and they're like, oh, there's no dice we can't play. Right. Someone who's very dedicated might go find new dice, and I don't know if that would work. Yeah, it but probably I mean, has to be the whole set. D- throw the pieces away. Yeah. Scatter them. Rip set it, it on ha- fire. Yeah, it's just made out of wood. Use a fucking... Come on. Hatchet. Yeah. Maybe they tried. I don't know. Anyway. I don't either. They ride away. Yes. On their normal sized, very nervous horses. Mm-hmm. And we see a stone mile marker that says we are one mile outside of Brantford. Good to know. I'm sure that will uh, come up. Sure. Yes. And then we get 100 years later. Oh, that's so long. Now it's 1969. Nice. <laughs> 1869 is classic nice. Oh. 1969 is vintage nice. See, I would argue it'd be vintage and then retro. Oh. Retro nice. All right. Here for it. Whatever it is, I'm wearing sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, so it's 100 years later. Uh-huh. A small boy whose name is Alan is riding his bike through the town. Yeah. And everyone is saying hi to him. Yeah, everybody knows him and he knows everybody. And everyone's nice to him except the bullies that are following him. Yes. They ride past a statue of General Angus Parrish. Yeah, he looks important. Yeah, so that kind of gives us the clue that the Parish name is important in the town. Right. But the bullies yell, prepare to die, Parish. Hey, Parish, what's the rush? Yeah. Like you're chasing him. You just said prepare to die. Did yeah. Did you expect him to stop or slow down? What's the rush? Like you just told, you're threatening me and chasing me very threateningly. And there yeah. are five of you. Right. Stupid. Anyway. So far, the story could have been written by Stephen King. <laughs> Honestly, the whole thing, I feel like, maybe. Yeah. So, Alan makes his way to a big factory. Yes. The Parish Shoe Company. Right. And the bullies are all making fun of him. Like, fine, Parish, run to daddy. We'll be waiting. Yeah. Is that kid Alan Ruck? It's not. He looks so much like him. Because Alan Ruck was 30 10 years before this movie was made. Oh, so he would have been 20. No, he would have been 40 when this oh, movie was Oh, he would have been made. 40. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I mean, this was, yeah. Yeah, there was a split second where, and we can post, like, if you haven't seen it in a while, we'll post a picture of him on the Instagram. There's a split second where, because the movie was set in 1969, that I was like, is that a baby Alan Ruck? And I was like, no, 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 wait. It was filmed in the 90s. Yeah. It was just set in the 60s. It looks so much like him. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway... Alan Parrish talks to a man named Carl. Carl has invented a new kind of shoe. Yeah. It looks very out of place. Like, I understand the point. Yes. Is that Carl is ahead of his time. Yeah, he's trying to, like, revolutionize the shoe game. But it's 1969. Yeah. Just the way that everyone else is dressed compared to the way this shoe looks. Yeah. It just seems very... It seems anachronistically ahead of its time like an 80s shoe yeah i mean it looks like a 90s shoe yeah yeah because i think at this point people are still wearing you know like wooden soled dress shoes like i don't think people were even wearing converse yet and that was like the common basketball shoe right the converse was invented in 1920 oh okay tight so it's been around for for okay so maybe like a softer insole yeah makes sense but yeah, it just, it looks really out of place, and I don't know that they would have had, like, that type of material to work with, even. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know what shoes looked like in the 1960s. But it's just very obviously machine-made, too. Yeah. Which is like, how do you do that? 
Yeah. And they have machines and stuff there. I don't know. The, it just the factory looks so old timey. Yeah. Like the factory looks older than 1969. Yeah. But also, I mean, I guess you if it's been around for forever and maybe it's operating. So maybe it's just behind the times. True. And the shoe isn't actually as ahead of the times as we think it is. I don't know. I don't know. I either. was not alive in 1969. They look like Air Jordans though. They do. Anyway, Alan hears his dad calling for him. And his dad is mad at him for being in the factory. Yeah. He's like, look, I've told you before, this isn't a playground. It's a factory. You're not supposed to be here. Right. Alan doesn't say anything about that. He no. just, he kind of just like sets this shoe down absentmindedly that Carl had handed him. Yeah. On a conveyor belt that's not moving. Just to like get it out of his hands. But to plead with his dad, he's like, can I have a ride home? And so his dad's like, oh, is Billy Jessup picking on you again? Right. Which I'm like, what a quintessential bully name. Oh, yeah. Billy Jessup. And Carl goes and looks out the window and sees, like, Billy and these other four kids, like, messing with Alan's bike. Yeah. He should not have left his bike outside. No. Take it inside with you. Yeah. But Mr. Parrish just says, son, you're going to have to face him sooner or later. If you're afraid of something, you've got to stand and face it. And Alan's just like, okay, bye. Yeah. And while this is happening, the conveyor belt that he had set the shoe on gets turned on. And Mm -hmm. it just gets, like, sucked sucked into this machine. Which is like, what does this thing do? Truly. Chop stuff up, I guess. <laughs> this actually makes lunch. <laughs> this is the lunch machine. Yeah, the sausage grinder. But so as Alan's leaving, we hear, well, we see him leaving and we see like Mr. Parrish go up to Carl and he's like, what is it that you wanted to show me? And Carl's like, oh, oh, oh just stay right there. I'll grab it. And he's looking around and he can't find this shoe. And then we see the machine in the background start like making a bunch of terrible noise and it's smoking. And yeah, Mr. Parrish goes over and like, Shuts it down, opens it up, finds this shredded basketball shoe inside of it, and holds it aloft and is like, who is responsible for this? Yeah. And Alan sees all of this happening. Yeah, he hasn't left the building yet. He watches this go down. And he just leaves. And he doesn't even, like, make a face about it. Right. It's really weird. He doesn't make this, like, oh, no, I gotta get out of here, or, like, oh, shit, my dad's gonna kill me. He just, he sees it happening. He makes, his facial expression does not change at all. And he just leaves. Yeah. And then Carl, like, fesses up. He's like, oh, that's that's my design. Yeah. But he didn't put it there. No. So what the fuck, Alan? Yeah, this scene is really weird. It is. Like, I didn't remember him being such an asshole. He's an asshole this whole movie. He is. He's not really a very likable character. No. Honestly. He's not. He gets a little more likable towards the end, but at the beginning especially, he is just not a likable dude. No. Maybe that's why he's getting picked on. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so he leaves, gets on his bike, but as he's about to ride away, Billy and company emerge from the trees. Yeah. And Billy is mad. He says, just because you're a parish doesn't mean you can talk to my girlfriend. Yeah. 1969 problems. All right. And Alan says, we're just friends. And Billy goes, not anymore. You're dating now. Yeah, what does that mean? They're not allowed to be friends anymore, is what he's saying. But what it sounds like is you're not just friends anymore. Now you're dating. Like, what? Oh, yeah. It's a weird thing. I've decided you're dating. Yeah. No, his his point is you're not even allowed to be friends with her anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. But he yells, get him. And they all go kick his ass for a little bit. Yeah. And we see as this is happening, it's happening behind this giant stone mile marker that says one mile from Brantford. Right, the one that we saw earlier on. Exactly. And vintage nice. It also hides the view of this kid getting his ass kicked, which is nice because I didn't really want to watch that. No. <laughs> 
So they all ride away, and we see Alan, who is left behind. He's got, like, black eyes, and his lip is bleeding, and he just looks, you know, like he got the crap beat out of him. Yeah, poor little kid. And there's a, a construction site is happening right behind him. And no one does anything. No, Like, yeah. they are not quiet about it. They don't drag him into the trees. Like, they're in the middle of the road. Yeah, there are lots of people around. They yell, get him. There yeah. are five of them. I guess they're all just like... And they do nothing. Boys will be boys. Ugh. There's like, the parish kid deserved it. But, the, I mean, everybody <laughs> knows who Alan Parrish is. Maybe these construction worker dudes are from out of town, and so they don't know. But, like, he's benown. Benown. <laughs> in this town. He is benounced. <laughs> so, anyway... While he's standing there, he hears this weird noise. It's like drumming. Yeah. Or a heartbeat, even. Uh-huh. It feels kind of heartbeat-y. Yeah, now we've gone from Stephen King to Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, it's intense and kind of yeah. scary. But he follows it. He goes wandering through this construction site where no one says anything to him. He's just walking past fully grown men. Yep. Through this very active construction site. Now he's Alan Parrish. He's allowed to go places. I guess. Before, when he was getting beat up, those men were like, well, we can't take on five 13-year-olds. <laughs> right. I, I don't get it. I guess it's just one of those construction companies that exclusively hires blind people. Oh, yeah. They got their start on this movie, and then they moved on to Baby Stay Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he walks through. He goes up to, like, a wall of dirt, because they've dug, like, a big... I think they're digging out, like, a basement for a building or something like that. So there's this huge, like, wall of dirt, and he walks right up to it, and the drumming keeps getting louder and louder until he gets right up to it, and then it stops. Mm -hmm. He, like, puts his ear up to the dirt, hears nothing. He kind of looks around, and he doesn't see anyone. So I was like, well, maybe they all left. Left very quickly. And then he starts, like, digging through the dirt, and he finds this chest that we saw at the beginning of the movie. And he, like, pulls it out of the dirt. Yeah. Opens it. It's full of sand. Jumanji. And Jumanji. It's full of Jumanji. <laughs> it's full of Jumanji. Up to its ears in Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, so he like reaches in, he pulls out this box, tilts the sand off of it, and it's Jumanji. Yes. And then suddenly there's a man behind him. Because he turns around to look and this man is staring at him. Yeah. Or at the very least pointing his face in his direction. <laughs> and Alan kind of... Don't you point your face at me. Because <laughs> the guy doesn't say anything. He's not like, hey kid. Yeah. Or like, what, do you, what you got? Or anything. He's just looking at him. And yeah. so Alan, like, takes off with Jumanji, leaves the chest and everything else behind, and goes home. Yep. I mean, what was he gonna do? Take the chest with him? It's just, it's just weird that no one interacts with him at all. While all of this is happening? Yeah. Yeah, while like, he's getting beat up, while he wanders through a construction site, while he's digging in the dirt at a he, construction site. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even... I guess I would have felt a little bit better if one of the construction dudes had been like, hey, Alan, yeah. no one acknowledges his presence, which makes it even stranger that yeah. he's just like a child wandering through this dangerous zone and no one says anything. I don't get it. It's a, it's just like a 90s trope of like kids in construction zones. I guess. There's so many, constru- like shit happens in construction zones a lot in a lot of the movies that we watch. That's true. Maybe we should go wander around some construction zones looking for adventure maybe yeah maybe we're actually allowed on them and it's just social construct that like maybe no one would actually stop us if we just wandered in yeah let's try it okay okay bye (laughs) (laughs) no not now oh oh okay anyway alan gets home with his newfound treasure Mm -hmm. to his big old house and it's got this giant staircase these big french doors vaulted ceilings super huge that's nice yeah. Kind of empty looking. It's very... Doesn't look super lived in. Cold. Yeah. yeah. 
But he takes Jumanji into his living room and opens it. Huh? And he says, neat. Yeah. <laughs> it does look pretty neat. Yeah. The only question I have is, like, all the notes and stuff on it are in very modern English. Yeah. And, you know, it's implied that this has been around for a very long time. Right. At least a hundred years. Yeah. So I'm just like, does it just adapt to whatever time it's in? I was curious about that, too, because at the end we see, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, we see that it's washed up on the shore and we hear these two. It seems like they're not speaking English. Whoever these two uh, girls that are about to find it. It's French. Yeah. Yeah. So would the the instructions be in French? Would the, you know, when they roll the dice and the thing shows up, would that be in French or is it going to be in English? And they're like, quoi? You know, <laughs> guess, guess, I don't know, but here it is. It looks neat. It's a board game. It's got a little compartment with uh, tiny carved animal figurines in it. Yeah. And he grabs two of them and looks at them. Yeah. Checking it out. But then he hears his mom's voice and he drops them. What he doesn't see is that when he drops them, they align themselves automatically on the board. Yeah. They like fall in the center, but go and yeah, stand upright in two separate corners, like at the starting places yeah. for two people. But he closes it up really quick and hides it under the couch and then goes to say hi to his mom. Yeah, who is immediately just like, oh, Alan, not again. Yeah. So we get the sense that he gets beat up by these bullies a lot. Right. And, like, I don't know, she sounds... His mom kind of sucks. She does! It's fine. Anyway, it's nighttime. Yeah. Alan is sitting at a giant dinner table, eating giant dinner, giantly alone. (laughs) Yeah, he's got like three plates. Giant father is walking down the stairs in a giant suit. And he is practicing a giant speech. <laughs> yes. He goes to talk to Mrs. Parrish and she says, we have to go talk to our son. Yeah, he's like getting his notes ready and he's like, oh, I had this whole speech memorized this morning. And she's like, Sam, we need to go talk to our kid. And he says, okay, Moira, but I have to work on the speech to dedicate to the hospital wing to Grandma Wendy. <laughs> so they go to talk to him and... Sam, Mr. Parrish, is like, I didn't realize that it was all of Billy's friends. I thought it was just the one kid. You know, if I had known that it was a bunch of kids, I would never have told you to go stand up to him. And Alan, like, kind of cuts him off. And he's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I can take the whole Billy Bully gang. Yeah, fuck it. Look at me. I'm fine. Still got all my teeth. Yeah. But so, Mr. Parrish is like, you know, I'm really proud of you. You were afraid and you stood up to them anyway. And... He didn't have a choice, but okay. Right. And that's really cool. He says, and because of it, and he and his wife just look so proud. And they're like, we've decided that you can go to the Cliffside School for Boys. And he pulls out this pamphlet and he hands it to Alan. And Alan takes out his giant reading glasses and puts them on. And he's like, would you not want me to live here anymore? Which broke my heart a little bit. But they're like, no, no, that's not it at all. Parish men have always gone to the Cliffside School for Boys, and the plan was always to send you there when we felt you were ready, and now we feel like you're ready, so right. we're excited for you to go. Yeah, he's like, he says, they've always gone, even your Uncle Skylar, ha ha ha. like, is that a gay joke? Uh-huh. Skylar's clearly the black sheep. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, look at it, check it out. The And Alan's looking in it, the main dorm hall is named Parish Hall. Yeah. And Sam's just like, it's so cool, you're gonna love it, it's great. Yeah. But Alan is not on board. No, he's like, I I get picked on in this town because I'm a parish, and now I'm going to go live in a building named after me? Right. And Sam's like, uh, it was named after your grandfather. Okay. Yeah. Well, then why don't you go live there? Right. Sam's like, I did. And if I hadn't lived there, it wouldn't make me the man I am today. Well, maybe I don't want to be like you, Dad. <gasps> I don't even want to be a princess. <laughs> You hate it here. Parishes are princesses. 
This causes a fight. His mom says nothing. Yeah, she doesn't. She makes some faces, kind of. She's like, Sam! And he's like, Aah! He's the man of this house, okay? Yeah, and he says, Well, you won't be a parish. Not till you start acting like one. Yep. Get your coat. Yep. He says to his wife. She's like, what? And he's like, get your coat. Yep. Get your giant coat. We have a giant thing to go to. Yeah. So they're fighting some more. They're just kind of yelling at each other as the parish parents are walking out the door for their engagement. You know, he's like, we'll talk about this later. And he's like, no, we won't because I'm never talking to you again. Ah. And then he packs some things after his parents leave. Packs up a suitcase with some clothes, a loaf of bread. Yep. Jar of peanut butter. Yeah, he's got all he needs. Uh, He holds up a picture and he says, I don't know about this one. I think I'm making a funny face. (laughs) So he doesn't pack it. But he does grab Jumanji on his way out the door. Yep. As he's leaving, there's a knock on the door. Yeah, he's like standing in front of the door as the knock happens. Yeah. So he's like, whoop. (laughs) Scares him. He's like hesitant to open it. Yeah. But he does. And there's a tall blonde girl Mm -hmm. who has brought Alan's bike back to him. Yeah. So we have to assume that this is Billy Jessup's girlfriend that Alan is not supposed to be talking to. Sarah Whittle. Sarah Whittle. (laughs) They did a really good job of finding someone who looks like Bonnie Hunt. Yeah, like she could grow up to be Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like, I told Billy to leave you alone. I told him to stop picking on you. You know, I'm really sorry that that happened. And Alan's like, well, you didn't need to do that. And it doesn't matter anyway, because I'm leaving. Yeah, I got peanut butter. I'm out. Yep. Time to go. I don't need shit else. As he's trying to push past her, we hear the Jumanji drums noise again. Uh Uh-huh. And she hears it too. Yeah. She's like, what is that? He's like, oh shit, you can hear that? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, of course I can hear it. It's super loud. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, come here. I have to show you something. Yeah. So they go back inside and he's like, here, look at this. I found it at the factory. And he, like, sets it up on the table, opens it all up, but the pieces won't move. He's, like, trying to wiggle them around. Alan reads the side directions. says, Jumanji, a game for those who seek to find a way to leave your world behind. Which sounds pleasant. Yeah. But it ain't. You roll the dice to move your token, doubles get another turn, and the first player to reach the end wins. Wanna play? Yeah. Sarah, in the meantime, has picked up the dice but yeah. she looks very bored yeah and she's like i quit playing board games five years ago yeah so she just doesn't want any part of it she stands up she just tosses the dice back down onto the board like you know here you go i'm leaving yeah but as she does that as she's walking away the little rhino piece starts to move on its own on the board yeah the number of spaces that she rolled yeah and he's like sarah yeah. So she looks back and watches it happen. Yeah. And he's like, it must be magnets. Yeah, and this is when ICP comes in and starts singing right. magnets. How do they work? Yeah. Giraffes. They sing about giraffes in that song, too. Oh. It's the only other line I remember. Nice. How do they work? <laughs> With magnets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so as they're watching the piece move, you also can see that the black circle in the middle, some words are appearing. Yes. And the camera angle switches to inside the middle of the board game. Right. Which they only do it, I think, this time. And yeah, I wish don't... that they had done it more because it's fun. Yeah. I, I didn't particularly like it. Yeah. It's un- but it's comfortable, unflattering angle, but it's interesting. Yeah. And it's weird to not keep it consistent. Yeah. Like, it's... why only do it in 1969? Right. Because it was groovy then. <laughs> Very retro. Groovy later. Anyway, the board game says. They fly at night. You'd better run. These winged things are not much fun. Mm-hmm. And then they hear some squeaking in the chimney. Uh-oh. Is it baby <gasps> pigs? Yeah. Tight. So 
it it kind of freaks her out. I think they're both a little bit freaked out by this. Yeah. Which is fair. It's moving around on its own. It, like, gave them some words. Like, I mean, it's very strange. Yeah. And this is not technology that would have existed either for words to appear in the middle like that. Yeah. So she's like, put it away, Alan. So he's like, okay. So he picks up the dice to put them back. But as this is happening, the grandfather clock behind him strikes the hour and it scares him and he drops the dice onto the game. And then his piece starts moving. He says, oh, no, the game thinks I rolled. Yeah. And she says, what do you mean the game thinks? Right. And Alan reads, in the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight, which you remembered word for word. Yeah. What does that mean? Alan wants to know. But instead of answering, Sarah just starts screaming. Yeah. Because Alan is being sucked into the game slowly. Yeah. In like a little tornado. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it looks cool. Yeah. The graphics for this part hold up. Yeah. Yeah. He like, it's almost like he gets flat. Yeah. And then, like, sucked like in, like, sand. Taking Yeah, he looks like sand particles, and yeah. it's taking him in, like, a little bit at a time. And, yeah, so it sucks him into the game, and she starts screaming, and he's like, roll the dice! But yeah. she does not do that, because just then, a flock of bats comes flying out of the chimney and attacks her. Yep. And she leaves, screaming the whole way. Yeah. One of the, she, like, falls down for a second, and there's a bat sitting on her shoulder, and they both just kind of look at each other. Yeah. And it's kind of cute honestly yeah just for a second but then yeah so she goes out the front door screaming the whole way down the street we see the door close and it just kind of focuses on the door handles yeah and then we see 26 years later now is when i would like to point out that 1995 is 26 years after 1969 yeah 2021 is 26 years after 1995 Ooh. yeah Anyway. Happy 26th year anniversary, Jumanji. Yes. So a realtor is showing the house, the parish house, to a lady in a beret. And she's saying, a bed and breakfast is just what this town needs. Yeah. The beret lady is like, well, it's hard to pass up, especially all full of furniture. Yes. And then she says, Judy, Peter, come look at this. Right. And that's when we meet Judy and Peter. Yeah. Played by Kirsten Dunst and another kid. Yeah. Bradley Pierce is his name. Yes. He is so fucking cute. He is really adorable. Like, I really, we talked about this, but I really only remembered what he looked like as a monkey. Right. He's the cutest little kid. He is. And it's weird that he's not in anything else. No, not really. Yeah. Because he does a good job and he's just like adorable. Yeah. His little curly hair. I know. But so the realtor refers to Judy and Peter as beret ladies' children. Yeah. But she's like, well, they're not actually my kids. They're my late brother's kids. He and his wife passed away in a skiing accident in Canada last year. So I just adopted them. Yeah. Which is like, not necessary. Yeah, she doesn't, like, I know that we need the exposition as the audience, but I feel like it's just like a weird thing to tell a realtor. It just seems rude. Oh, to say that? Well, just for somebody to be like, oh, your kids, blah, blah, blah. And her to be like, they're not my kids. You know, it just seems like she doesn't want to claim them. Yeah. You know? I mean, maybe she just is trying to tell her that quietly so that if they're all in the room again, yeah, she doesn't say it out loud and the kids then have to explain or she doesn't have to explain in front of the children. Like, she's taking this moment of, like, the kids are not in the room so I can tell you real quick, you know, don't be like, oh, your mom, blah, 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 because yeah. that might make them sad. Right. Or if you hear one of them be like aunt nora then they, you won't be like what i thought that so i mean i she's i, I don't know that's what i would it's guess is that she's just trying to take the chance yeah, the other second yeah. but 
It just feels shoved in there for the purpose of exposition. Yeah, I feel like there's I mean. a different way that yeah. they could have. Like, if they could have just had Judy as she's walking, Aunt Nora, I'm going to go find the bathroom. And yeah. then the realtor would have been like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought they were your children. And she right. would have been like, oh, yeah, no, they're not. Yeah, um, oh, I thought they were your children. Are they going to be living here? You know, like yeah, something, like like something relevant to... Right, because it you does know, seem like... It's just personal details that the realtor doesn't need. Yeah, it's true. Anyway. Anyway, so the realtor tries to talk to Peter. Yes. And he doesn't say anything. Right. And Judy explains that Peter hasn't spoken a word since their parents died. Mm-hmm. And then she goes on this story about how we didn't really know our parents. They were always off doing all these exotic things. Right, yeah. I can't even remember what they were at this point, but, you know, they were at, you know, fishing and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fishing in Cabo and yeah. gambling in Vegas. And... Right. But then she says that they were on the Sheik's yacht when it went down and they drowned. And But they managed to write us this beautiful letter. Yes, they hid it in a champagne bottle and it got to us just telling us how much they loved us. <sighs> she starts crying and leaving. You know, she leaves the room and the realtor's just like, oh, how, how sad and tragic. But as we see Judy walking away, she's laughing. And Nora comes in and yeah. explains, like, they're, they loved their parents very much and their parents were very attentive and they died in a skiing accident in Canada. Yeah. Is that a ski? I thought it was just a car accident. Oh. Yeah, it, it, I guess it was a car accident. It's just at the end, they say, we were thinking about going on a skiing trip in Canada. Oh, yeah. And he's, they're like, no. So, yeah, it was a car accident. I was like, damn, how did two people die in a skiing accident? They must have been holding hands as they ran into that tree. Avalanche. Oh, true. So. Yeah, so moving on to unpacking, because they've bought the house. Yeah. And they live there now. Aunt... Homestever. Yeah, we have not actually learned her name yet. No, is attempting to open a door but can't get it. Huh? Peter looks through the keyhole, because it's an old house and you can do that. <laughs> and he can see all of Alan's stuff and his bike all covered in cobwebs and stuff. Yeah. At this point, she's like, hey, Peter, can you take the suitcase up to the attic where he sees even more stuff? Yeah, they truly just up and left. Yeah, they up and went. They, are you in an OFT? <laughs> But while he's up there, not only does he see a lot of cobwebs and uh-huh. bullshit, uh-huh. there's also a bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he yells and runs down the stairs, because you would. Sure. It's a big bat. It's a big bat. Yeah. So their aunt goes to check it out, and she also hears the bats, and yeah. she just closes the door. She doesn't see it, but she opens it, Yeah. and she hears the squeaking, and yeah. she's like, well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, none of their stuff is up there except for this one suitcase, I guess, so absolutely so then we see an exterminator is it christopher walken this time it is not would have been fun if he if it were but he reprised his role as caesar the exterminator (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the exterminator thinks it's weird that there is no bat poop there's no guano anywhere in this attic yeah it's just like if if a bat's been living in here they're litter box trained oh gosh it's fine so they're kind of looking around, and Judy brings a book of bats. Which she just happened to have in her dog pocket. Absolutely. Yep. To the exterminator, and points to the kind of bat that Peter says that he saw. Right. And the exterminator's like, oh, that's an African bat. Which I'm like, she's 12. She can read. Yeah. She can see where it says right underneath the picture, African bat. Yeah, I think the point, though, is that he's like, there's no way that it was, because we're New England, not Africa. Right, which is what he says after that. And then he explains, you know... About 30 years ago, some kid claimed that she saw a bunch of those bats back in the 60s. Yeah. Right here in this very house. We don't get them around here because this is New England. Own a shit? Yeah. 
Guano? Oh, no guano? <laughs> no guano? However. I'm going to start saying that. Oh, no guano? It's uh, the PG version of cursing. Yes. <laughs> oh, no scat? <laughs> what you should be afraid of, says the exterminator, mm-hmm. is living in a house where someone was murdered. Murdered? <gasps> he says, Alan Parrish went missing. And everyone's pretty sure that his dad killed him. Yep. And put his body in the house somewhere. Yeah, there's got to be a thousand places you could hide a body in this house, especially if you chopped it up first. Yeah. <gasps> Their aunt from all the way downstairs. Yeah. Says, come on, kids, you don't want to be late for school. I mean, they probably do, but. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. D- <sighs> no house needs an intercom. You could yell all the hell way up to the attic from right. the first floor. It does echo a lot. There's not a lot going on in that house yet. No. So very echoey. But then we have a cleaning montage. Yeah, it keeps changing songs and I hate it. Yeah, I know that you hate when that happens. It's, too, it's jarring. Yeah. Pick one song and have it be the song cleaning montage. It reminds montage. me I... of That Darn Cat when you're yeah. seeing everybody in their house and the song changes every time. Yeah, there's a song playing and then other songs are playing. Yeah. yeah, that was really awful. I mean, I guess the point is to show that she's cleaning all day and like listening to music while she's doing yeah. it. Uh, I just don't like it. No, and they're all very different songs, too. It doesn't yeah. really flow. No. What she really needed was a spit shine. Spit shine. Would have saved her a lot of time. But she cleans until it's dinner time. Huh? And Aunt Beret says, I can't believe that you had to go to the principal's office on your first day. I mean, it's prison rules, dude. You got to establish that you're tough on your first day of school so that everybody knows not to mess with you. Absolutely. It did. So she's like, you know what? Whatever. Let's just talk about something else. Yeah. So Judy says, okay, cool. Guess what? I know why we got this house for so cheap. It's because Alan Parrish was murdered in it, and his parents chopped him up and hit him in the walls. Yeah. Aunt Beret does not like this. She grounds Judy immediately. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm tired of your lies. Yep. Like, you're grounded. Go to your room. Actually, she just says, you're grounded, which Judy, I guess, takes as, I'm going to my room. Or maybe she just doesn't want to hang out and eat dinner anymore, because she just leaves. Yeah. She's like, there's nothing else to, there's nothing to do in this town anyway. Right. But also, you're a child. Where are you going to go? Hey, what are you going to do? You're a kid. What? You what? got a date? Yeah. You gotta go to work. Grounded like, from what? Yeah. You don't have any friends. You just moved here. Compared to what? <laughs> so later that night, she's laying in bed and she's awoken by the sound of something. Yeah, it's <laughs> drummy heartbeat the, yeah. sounds. So she gets up to go talk to her brother in his room. And he's like laying there looking at a picture of their parents. But yeah. as soon as he hears his door open, he like hides it. Yeah. And she asks him if he heard a noise and he says no. Yeah. And then he asks her if she misses their parents. And she says no. But he says, if you don't stop lying like that, they're going to send you to a shrink. Yeah, and then she's like, well, they're going to do the same thing to you if you don't start talking. Yep. But then so they try to go to sleep. And they're cuddling. I know, it's It's so so cute. cute. She, like, hugs him. Yeah. And they close their eyes, but then they hear the sound again. Neither of them say anything about it, but they both just, like, open their eyes and look at it. It's just the bat up there with his, like, drum kit. He's practicing for his band, man. Yeah. So, the next day, we see Aunt Beret headed out on business. Yes. She's like, I'm going to the permit office. Hopefully I won't be there for very long, but, you know. You all be okay to get on the bus by yourselves? Yeah, and they're like, that's fine. And she's like, should I wait? And they're like, no. She's like, did your parents ever wait and put you on the bus? Which is, their parents died last year, right? Yeah. So what happened in between? She seems like she doesn't know these kids. I mean, maybe this is the first time that she's had to deal with them going to school. Yeah. But 
I don't know. She just, it just feels like she just met them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe or just... they were just floating around until they settled down on staying with her. Yeah, maybe they were with their grandparents or something. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so she's like, you know, should I wait? And they're like, no, we'll be fine. And she's looking at them, and they, especially Judy, but neither of them are paying attention. And she's like, hello? Got are you sure maybe i should wait yeah because they're they're both looking up because they can hear the drumming again yeah but this is where we realize that she can't hear it only the kids can right it gives us this like tiny little like notion that she can hear it for a second because she's walking away the drums start and she like turns around suddenly yeah but then she just goes oh do you still have your house key yeah so yeah she can't hear it it's only judy and peter who can hear it they're like completely entranced by this noise and then they she's like hello and they finally like oh no we'll be fine the bus will be here any minute and yeah she's like okay fine and she leaves yeah as soon as she leaves judy turns to peter and she's like you do hear that noise yep and peter's like nope don't know what you're talking about can't yep. hear a thing but then it gets even louder and he like jumps yeah they just kind of look at each other and then they both take off running up the stairs and it's just like squeeze 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 yeah, those stairs must be made of old basketball court. <laughs> Truly. That's what it sounds like. It does. So they go all the way up to the attic. Yep. And they're looking around for the source of the noise. And it keeps getting, like, louder and more intense and drummier. Yeah. And they see the stack of board games. They sift through it. And they finally uncover Jumanji. Jumanji. And the drums stop. Aha. It got what it wanted. Yeah. So they grab it. They take it. Just take it over to a box, set it down, set it up immediately. Yeah, they I mean, really should be way more suspicious. At yeah, this point. game was making so much noise that they could hear it all the way on the first floor. This and their aunt couldn't hear it. Called for them. Yes. And stopped when they found it. Yes. No. No. Also, go- they don't even take it to a table. They're like, we're going to look at it right now here in the attic. Yeah. That's full of bats, presumably. I don't know. There's no guano. <laughs> <laughs> so they open it up and they're they see the two pieces... That Alan and Sarah had put on yeah, the board. Yeah, they're still on the board. Are still there. And he tries to move them, but they won't move. Yeah. So he's like, oh, that's weird. We can't play. But then he looks in the little compartment and finds two more pieces. Mm-hmm. And as Judy is reading the rules where it says, Jumanji, a game for those who seek to find... A way to leave your world behind. Thank you. The pieces just fly out of Peter's hands onto their spots on the board. Yep. Judy's like, must be microchips. Yeah, it's the modern day version of magnets. Uh, no. I don't think so. 1995 version. I don't think that's what microchips do at all. I think it is. Okay. So Judy (laughs) picks up the dice, rolls a six, and her little crocodile piece moves. Yeah. And she reads, a tiny bite can make you itch, make you sneeze, make you twitch. Hmm. And then we hear... It's extremely loud buzzing. And we see out of the window of the attic, some very not tiny mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. They are huge. They've been transported to my backyard. (laughs) They're surrounded in a swarm of giant mosquitoes. Yes. Now, they're huge. Yeah. they're. I mean, they're each, what, like the size of a cat. Oh, yeah. I would say. So they show up. Mm -hmm. Judy smacks one out of a window with a tennis racket, like breaks it through the attic window, and they all just go flying off. Yeah. It's interesting that these things just appear. Yeah. They don't, like, come out of the board. Yeah, they're just behind them. Yeah. Nothing comes out of the board. I know. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I'm not in, like, a critique, good or bad way. I just think it's interesting. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They just, like, are near whoever. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Uh Peter rolls the dice. Yes. Even though Judy's like, no. Yeah, don't. But he does. Uh Uh-huh. And his little monkey moves, too. Yeah. So he got snake eyes. Snake eyes. And the board says, 
This will not be an easy mission. Monkeys, slow the expedition. Yes, and as soon as he's done reading, we hear this giant crash from downstairs. So he grabs the dice and they both go run to investigate. And we see that the kitchen is full of ugly CGI monkeys. Yeah, these are bad. They're, uh, yeah. There's a lot of this movie that holds up. This is not one of them. No, they look so ugly. Yeah, they're they're really bad. Yeah. But these CGI monkeys, though they look terrible, mm-hmm. are causing real destruction. Yes. One lights himself on fire on the stove. Yes. <laughs> um, presumably because he had lit the stove and then farted. It's the only way it could have happened. That's what monkeys do. Yeah. Um, they're hanging from the pot rack. They're throwing tomatoes. They're smashing china. They're making a huge mess. Yeah. One starts throwing knives at them. Yes. And that's when they shut the kitchen door. Yeah. They look at the dice in Peter's hand. And they go back up to the attic. Yeah. And as they're going, Judy says, I think the monkeys came from the game and the mosquitoes too. Yeah. Which I love their willingness to immediately believe. But also it makes sense. You know, yeah. it was making weird noises. It's already been doing weird things. And then as soon as they started playing, the, you know, the things that happened matched up with the rhymes that they got. Yep. So it does make sense. But I mean, I feel like if you got adults who were playing it. Yeah, they would be in denial for quite some time. Exactly. Yeah. Which is probably why Jumanji does not want adults to play it. So then Judy sees the second part of the instructions, which... They had failed to see before, and which Sarah and Alan had failed to read also so many years ago. That says, well, she starts out. It says, adventurers beware. But then we hear a slam. Peter goes to investigate. The monkeys have escaped. Yeah, best case scenario, though. Oh, absolutely. Honestly. Yeah, we see them running out the... They, they like, run down the sidewalk to the house. Yeah. And then one of them speaks to the rest of them in monkey, and they all kind of scatter. So it's like, he's like, monkeys, disperse. Go cause chaos. Yeah. So she starts over. She says, Adventurers beware. Do not begin unless you intend to finish. The exciting consequences of the game will vanish only when a player has reached Jumanji and called out its name. So Peter tries to fold up the game and put it away. He doesn't want anything else to do with it. Yeah, but now Judy is the one who's like, no, we have to play. That's the only way everything will go away. And we have to play before Aunt Nora gets home. We're going to get in trouble. Exactly. If we finish it before she gets home, everything will go away and it'll be fine. Yes. So Peter tries to hand her the dice, and she's like, no, you have to go again. You got doubles, so it's your turn still. Right. So he rolls again, and he gets a five. His fangs are sharp. He likes your taste. Your party better move post-haste. Yeah. And then we hear, like, plink, 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 piano noises. Yeah, I love that the line appeared on a piano. Yes, it's very dramatic. Yes. I wish he would have sung a song. Yeah, this this lion appears. He also looks really bad. Yeah. He's like half puppet. A lion. No. Really at all. Mm-mm. Like, if all of the animals looked this, like, version of animal, yeah, it would be fine. Yeah. But he really stands out as, like, what is this supposed to be? Yeah. But anyway, it's a lion. He's on top of the piano. They're looking at him. Yep. And this is why I was thinking that Judy was played by the girl from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Because the way she reacts and gets, like, shaky. Yeah. Looks just like the the girl when they're in the cafeteria part of yeah, Jurassic Park. Yeah, holding the jello. Yeah. But it's Judy true. says, it's not real, Peter. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. But then it roars at them. Yeah. And that seems pretty real. Yeah. Yeah. So they take off running down the stairs. And the lion follows them. It, like, jumps down a whole flight, you know, jumping down the banister and stuff, gets in front of them. It all seems lost. But then there's a crazy man in a turtle helmet. Yes. He is screaming and yes. brandishing a knife at the lion. 
He's sure like is. wearing a bunch of leaves and he's all scruffy. He's got a huge beard, long hair. You know. Yeah. It's Robin Williams. He has a beard. Right. So the kids escape while the jungle man fends off the lion with his knife. Mm-hmm. He sees that there's a light like hanging above him. Right. So he throws his knife in the ground and jumps up just as the lion lunges for him. And the lion lands on like a rug runner and slides all the way into a bedroom. And he slams the door, locks him in there. Yeah. Yeah. So now that the lion is trapped... This jungle man turns around and looks at the house. He sniffs out Judy and Peter. Yeah. They're hiding in a closet, like, on the shelves. Yeah. I don't know how they've gotten themselves up there. But they scream. He screams. He closes the door again. <laughs> at this point, I notice he's kind of dressed like Peter Pan. He's a little bit, yeah. Little skirt. Yeah. But then he runs and kicks open the door that Nora couldn't get open earlier. And he sees his bike and he says, I'm back. Yeah. Which was, was his bedroom. Right. But also, Aunt Nora renovated the entire house, but never tried to get in that room. Because everything else is done now. I, I guess she did it all in one day. Yeah. And because, yeah, she tried to, the first day that they were there, she tried to unlock. It was still locked. Yeah. And she said, I'm going to have to get the key from the realtor. So I guess this is day two. Oh, well, everything else is already done. Yeah. That's she just weird. can't get into this room yet. So she's yeah. leaving it behind because she doesn't want to kick the door down. I guess. But it's open now. Yep. So it's he's like been kicked. Touching all of his stuff. Which he touches, he's like, oh, that's my bike. And then he touches the shirt that he was wearing that day. Because uh-huh. we see that it has blood on it. Yeah, because he got beat up. But didn't he get sucked into the jungle wearing that shirt? Oh, I don't know. Wasn't he still wearing it when he was about to leave the house? Or maybe he changed into a different plaid short sleeve button up. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he changed clothes. Maybe he didn't. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe this is incongruous. <laughs> Um, yeah, he sees a picture of his parents, he sees his glasses, which are broken. So he's been living all this time without glasses. I think they were just reading glasses. I hope so. Because we don't see him wearing them until he gets handed the pamphlet for Cliffside School for Boys. That's true. And there's probably not a lot to read in the jungle. I would assume not. So hopefully he's just farsighted. Yeah. So Judy and Peter have gotten out of the closet. (laughs) And (laughs) he looks at them and he says, somebody rolled a five or an eight. Yeah, Judy says, it was him, and points at Peter. And she just immediately sells her brother out. Yeah. And Alan just screams. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Chases him down, just hugs him, grabs him and hugs him and squeezes him. And is like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he's like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. And then he just goes running through the house. He's like, mom, dad, it's me. I'm back. I'm home. Mom and dad. Just running around. He turns around and asks Judy if she's his little sister. Yes. And she says, no. No, I'm Judy and this is Peter, as though that's going to explain. Yeah, we live in this house now. Right. Yeah. And he wants to know where his parents are. Right. But she doesn't know. But then she figures out, you must be Alan Parrish. Yes. And he's like, yeah. But she says, we live in this house now because it's been empty for years because everybody thinks that you're dead. Yeah. And this makes Alan very sad. Yeah. Makes sense. runs out into the street where he is nearly hit by a police car being driven by none other than Carl. Uh Uh-huh. From the shoe factory. Uh Uh-huh. And he he jumps up on the hood of the car. Yes. Carl's on the radio with dispatch, and dispatch is telling him that there are monkeys loose all over the town. Yeah. He he's just gets, like, okay. Carl gets out of his car, and Alan is like, what year is it? Yeah, Carl says, well, it was new. He says, no, what year is it? Mm-hmm. But Judy and Peter have come out of the house, and Judy helpfully is like, it's 1995, remember? As though he should know that. She's very quick on her feet, which I like. Yeah. Carl asks Alan if he's from around there. Yeah. And Alan says, well, I was. 
but I've been in Jumanji. Right. And Carl's just like, what are you talking about? And Judy is like, oh, Eve's in Indonesia in the Peace Corps. Yeah. She has a really good imagination. Yeah. Yeah. She's always lying, so it helps that she's got all this experience of lying. So Alan reads Carl's name tag. It says C. Bentley, and he's like putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. It's been 26 years. This man's name is C. Bentley. Yeah. Oh, that's shit. It's the soul man. I know right. him. Yeah. This is that guy. And then we see, while this is all happening, a couple of monkeys have climbed into Carl's squad car and Carl, are messing with it. Yeah. And in this moment, Carl turns to Judy and says, does he always dress like that? Yeah. And she says, yeah, he's a vegetarian. <laughs> Obviously, can't you tell? Which I thought was cute. So Alan starts yelling at the monkeys in Carl's car. Right, but no one else can see them at this point because they're hiding. Yeah. So everyone's like, wow. They've ducked down. And so it just looks like he's making monkey noises at this cop car. And it makes him look even more crazy. He thinks the monkey is the sultan. (laughs) But then one of the monkeys sets off Carl's shotgun. Did he not have the safety on? No. Blows a hole in the roof and is like lights. Yeah. And then they take off driving. Yeah. They are decent drivers for being monkeys. Yeah, better than we see Alan driving later. Yeah. I mean, they don't immediately crash, for one thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But so Carl takes off running after his car. Yep. Bye, Carl. Yeah, and Alan starts running the other way. Yes. And they're like, where are you going? He says, to find my parents. Yep. And he runs through town. Yeah, and as he's running, we see that everything in this town is, like, closed down and boarded up and graffitied on. Right. There's just, like... A bunch of homeless people standing around, like, yeah, this fires. Is like, the parallel shot of when he was riding his bike through town at the beginning. Right. Everything's lively and bustling, and people are friendly and saying hi. Yeah. And now he's running through town. Right. Not riding a bike. Looking like a crazy jungle man. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the whole town's falling apart. Yeah. The statue of General Angus Parrish is all painted over. Like, yeah. it's just really sad looking. Yeah. He runs all the way to the shoe factory, mm-hmm. but it too is abandoned and in disrepair. Yep. So he goes in. I mean, there's nobody there and it's clear that no one has been there for a long time. Yeah. And it's not locked. Like he just walks right in. Right. Yeah. And he explains to Judy and Peter that his dad used to make shoes there. They were the best shoes in all New England. Yep. And as he's talking, he sees a shadow like up in his dad's office. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, maybe it's my dad. So he runs up there, bursts through the door. And an old man is like, who is not his dad. Clearly not his dad. He's like, oh, the shoe factory folded up like everything else. Yeah. But Alan's like, why? This guy is technically homeless. He's technically squatting. Yeah. But he has like a bed and a little dog. Yeah. Isn't there a fire going? There's a fire going in the fireplace. I'm like, this guy is like set up. Yeah. Nobody's going to bother him. Oh. But the old man explains to Alan that after he quote unquote ran away, his dad put everything into trying to find him. All his time and money. He stopped going to work. He stopped caring about work, and he tells him, I don't think anybody loved his boy more than Sam did. Yeah, you got a funny way of showing it, Sam. Ugh, men. Terrible father. But the old man, he gives Alan some real clothes. Right. So that he won't be cold. Yeah. And Alan asks if the parishes are still around. Yeah, and so so this dipshit old man pulls a Timmy Gleason and says, oh, I see the parishes now and then. They're over on Adams Street. Which is a cemetery. Right. Oh, yeah, I got a picture of them right here. Right. Want to see a picture of me and Mom? (laughs) Yeah, I see the parishes every now and then. Come on, bro. Yeah. So, Alan goes to find their grave, which they both died in 1991 and it's 1995, so. Oh, he just missed them. Yeah. It's kind of sad. But Judy says, our parents are dead, too. And she starts in on some of her regular bullshit. 
about how they were like in the Middle East. Yeah, they were doing peace talks in the Middle East. Yeah, but Peter like nudges her really hard yeah. to get her to stop, and he goes and talks to Alan himself. Right, which is cute because he has not talking to anyone yeah. except for Judy. And this is when Peter explains our parents were in marketing. My dad was in marketing. Yeah, marketing or advertising or something. Whatever. Yeah. So Alan puts his turtle shell helmet on top of their grave mm-hmm. and he goes to walk off. He's like, well, I guess it's time to go. Yep. And Judy's like, no, you have to come help us finish this game. Yeah. If something what if... else scary comes out, like you're the only one who can handle it. Yeah, you handled that lion. So if you could stick around with us and help us finish it. But he's like, nope, not my problem anymore. Don't want to deal with it. She's yeah. like, but I mean, there's a lion in my aunt's bedroom. What am I supposed to do about that? He says, what do I look like? A ringling brother? <laughs> she's like, but she's she'll be home soon. And he says, won't she be surprised? I hope she's not allergic to cats. Uh-huh. He's just like, not my problem anymore. I really don't care. I'm going to go rebuild my life. Yeah. I've been I've in the jungle and now I'm not. Been living in the jungle for 26 years, but I'm not going to give up the fact that I'm an asshole. Oh, yeah. I have no compassion still. I mean, it's been truly, like, every man for him, every Alan for himself <laughs> for the past, like, 26 years. Yeah, but he sucked before he went, too. I know, but I'm just saying, like, no one has taught him to be better because oh, he yeah. hasn't had to talk to anybody. That's true. The only human interaction that he's had is this man who is trying to shoot at him that we meet later. But as we can see from examples like George of the Jungle, <laughs> it is possible to come out of this experience being a good person. Well... Yeah, but maybe George of the Jungle did not have Sam Parrish for a father. No, you're right. He had Ape for a father. Exactly. Yeah. So, one, George was a baby, so he didn't get this terrible upbringing up until this point. And he had Sweet Sweet Ape. That's true. As his father. Yeah. Whereas Alan had Sam Parrish for 11 years of being like, be a tough guy, don't cry about anything, be a man. And then lived completely alone in the jungle for 26 years. They're walking away from the graveyard, and as they're trying to cross the street, we see an ambulance. Yeah. And a car drives in front of it and gets, like, clipped. Like, its back bumper gets clipped by the ambulance. Yeah. And then we see Carl, who's just kind of running around because his squad car is still missing. Yeah. He runs up. He sees that the driver is hurt. He runs over to the car. The ambulance drivers also get out. They run over, and they're like, did we hit her? Like, yeah. Like, did, did we hurt her? Yeah. And Carl's like, no, it looks like another one of those weird bites. Yeah, and one of the guys says, that's up to 50 today. Yes. So they go pull this woman out of her car, and she just is just, like, catatonic. Like, she's not responsive at all. Yeah. And they get her into the ambulance, and Judy recognizes her as the realtor that sold Nora the house. Oh, yeah, true. But not one to miss an opportunity. Right. <laughs> as this woman is carted away, Judy, Peter, and Alan get into her car. Yep. And nobody stops them. Nope. But he closes up the car, and he asks them, okay, what came out of the game before me? Right. And they say, uh, oh, the lion, Uh some monkeys, and that! Yeah, Peter points to the, right outside the driver's side window, and there's a giant mosquito. Yes. And Alan's like, it's okay, we're safe in here, it's fine. Yep. But it's a soft-top convertible. Right. And the bug is like, oh, I can poke through this shit. Yeah, so it's like stabbing through the top of this car with its needle-like proboscis. Yes. Which is terrifying. So they like, he's like, get low, get down low, everybody get low. It can't get us. It can't get through the glass, so we're still safe. Right. But then, of course, the bug flies around to the front of the car and starts punching through the glass. Of course. And making holes in it. So they're like, okay, you know what? He looks at them and he says, do either of you know how to drive? And they're like, no. 
we're 12 and 8. Yeah, and so, Alan's like, well, I backed the car down the driveway once. Yep, I, I can, can do it, it's fine. Figure it out. He pushes, like, literally every button in the car, but none of the ones are correct, until finally Peter is the one who puts the car in drive, and they take off. Yes, uh, and it is a terrifying ride, but they make it back to the parish home. They just steal that car. Yep. In front of a cop. And it kind of looks like they only went, like, two blocks, which I know they're trying to, like, get away from the mosquito, but they didn't know that the mosquitoes were there before they got in the car, so I don't really know why they got in the car. I don't- I don't either. It's very strange that they got in it, unless- he was trying to avoid Carl. Like, he was like, I want to sit down and talk to you real quick about this, like, right now. Yeah. But I don't want Carl to see me, so they get in the car real but quick. He but he doesn't ask them about what came out of the game before him until he overhears that people have been getting bitten. Yeah, it's just, I don't understand why they get in the car. Yeah, I don't either. In the first place. Maybe they are farther away from the house than it makes it seem to be. That's the only other thing that I can think. But yeah. he's, unless he's like, he's just like, we'll just steal this car to get back... It can't be that far because he ran all the way there. Yeah, he and ran so to did the these shoe two kids. Factory, and then they went to the cemetery. Yeah, and now they're going back to the house. Yeah, and yeah. we know that the shoe factory is one mile outside of town, so it's really not that far away. Yeah, or maybe it's just cold. I don't know. Could be. He just really has to poop. <laughs> <laughs> that could also be. So they get home. Yes, they get back to the parish home. He finds some clothes. Yeah, he's holding and sniffing them, but yep. when he turns around, Judy is. Holding Jumanji right in his face. Yes. And he's like, get that thing away from me. Yep. He screams. She's like, you gotta help us finish the game. But he is not interested. He's like, no. nope, this is my house. When your aunt gets home, you tell her that she can move out because it's my house now and I'm back. It legally belongs to me because both of my parents are dead. I'm gonna go cl- get cleaned up. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's how it would work anyway. I'm sure he's been legally con- declared dead. So. Yeah. The house is probably. There's no way. Not. I mean, they didn't will it to him because they already thought he was dead. Yeah. So... Not how it works. Anyway, he goes into the bathroom to change clothes and gets cleaned up. He yep. sees the toilet paper and has a big sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> and says, no more banana leaves. So grateful. Yes. We see him, you know, he's cutting off all his hair, he's shaving his face, he's singing the Gilligan's Island theme as he does. He comes out, he's changed his clothes, which are t- far too big for him. Yeah, for the whole movie. Yeah. He's probably wearing one of his dad's shirts. Because I guess there wouldn't be any shirts in the house that fit him because he was 11 or yeah. 13 or whatever when he left. So, yeah, it's probably one of his dad's shirts that got left behind. And then this old man from the yeah. factory who was way taller than him. When they show, like, when they show them speaking to each other, Robin Williams is looking, like, up at yeah. this man. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's so tall. So, yeah, all these clothes are, like, way too big for him. But, yeah, he's, his face looks terrible. I mean, it's all cut up. And she's like, what did you do? Shave with a piece of broken glass? Yeah, he says, what happened to you? Did the Clampets have a yard sale? <laughs> he's such a dick, but also Judy's kind of rude. And also, he's 11. I, I know, mean, he really is, yeah. yeah. But he's like, I don't even, I'm not even going to watch you play. Yeah. They're in the kitchen, and he's like picking up food off of the floor and hunched down like a monkey man, like eating it. Yeah. While they're like, come on, just just watch while we play. And he's like, no, I'm not interested. I don't, I don't want any part of it. Yep, and he... Goes to open the fridge to look for some more food, and there's a little frozen monkey in there who hops <laughs> out with his teeth chattering and runs yeah. away. Which completely spooks him. Yeah. And so Peter looks at Judy and says, come on, Judy, he's not going to help us. He's afraid. But you know what? It's okay to be afraid. Yeah. You know, it's not a big deal. We don't need him. We can do it without him. But Alan is not having that. It makes him very upset. Yeah. And he's like, oh, af- af- afraid? How dare you? 
He says, you think monkeys, mosquitoes, and lions are bad? That's just the beginning. I've seen things you've only seen in your nightmares. Things you can't even imagine. Things you can't even see. What does that mean? There are things that'll hunt you in the night. Then something screams. Then you hear them eat, and you hope to God you're not dessert. Afraid? You don't even know what afraid is. You will not last five minutes without me. Yeah. Zing. Intense. It really reminds me of the speech from Blade Runner. Yes. The original version. The one that Roy Batty gives, like, at the end. Yeah. Where he says, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watch sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain. Time to die. My old roommate loved that movie so much, yeah. Blade Runner, and had just the clip of Roy Batty saying, time to die, as his fucking, like, text tone. No. Yeah. That's too much. I know. It was a lot. Anyway. Anyway, he agrees to watch them play, which Judy was like, hey, quick thinking, and yeah. Peter says, reverse psychology. Dad used to do it to me all the time. Yeah. So they set up in the living room. He's like, Alan's like closing all the doors and like closing the window, you know, making sure that they're like encased in this room. Yeah. And they ask him if he's ready. And yeah. he's like, there is no ready. But Judy tries to throw the dice and nothing happens. Yeah. And so Alan comes over to look at it and he immediately sees the problem. It's not Judy's turn. Right. Yeah. He's like, oh, no. So they try to hand him the dice, but he's like, no, it's not my turn either. Yeah. You guys have started the game that I started in 1969. Nice. God damn it. So they're like, okay, what do we do? Whose turn is it? And he's like, we have to go find Sarah Whittle. He pronounces Whittle. I know. Like the back of his tongue somehow. It's impressive. So then they go to a Sarah's house. Yep. Yes. At this point, I would like to apologize to Bonnie Hunt for saying it was Helen Hunt in this movie. It's not Helen Hunt. It's Bonnie Hunt. I love yes. you, Bonnie Hunt. You're adorable. And we Sorry looked it up, that. and they're not related. Not at all. No. Who knew? Not us. But now we do. And now you do. So they come upon this house, and Alan says, this is where she used to live. But there's a sign that says, Madam Serena, Psychic Readings. Yep. And he's like, well, shit, she doesn't live here anymore, so let's go. Yeah. But Judy's like, well, hang on, let's knock. Because maybe whoever does live here now knows where Sarah went. Yeah. Peter says, she's a psychic. She has to know where Sarah went. Which is a line that Bradley Pierce just improvised in the moment. Which I think is really cute. That is cute. So they knock. Sarah opens the door just a little bit. Yeah. And Alan says, we're looking for someone who used to live here. And the lady says, well, I've lived here my whole life. So. Right. So Judy says, well, then you must know what happened to Sarah Whittle. Mm -hmm. And Sarah's like, where did you hear that name? Yes. And this is when Alan recognizes her and is, like, staring her down through this, like, barely open door. Yeah. And, you know, he says, Sarah? And she's like, no, I don't go by that name anymore. Mm -hmm. But he says, 26 years ago, you played a game with a little boy down the street. A game with drums. And she's like, Alan? Yeah. And then she cold passes out. Yep. The subtitles say, body hits the floor. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Peter says, you killed her. But they did not kill her. Thank God. No, they do carry her unconscious body all the way back to the parish house. It looks highly sus. I mean, it's just down the street from what Alan just said. But but nobody says anything. She is fully passed out and he is just carrying her over his shoulder. Yep. Anyway, when she wakes up, she immediately calls her psychiatrist and leaves a message. She says, that event that we've been discussing for a long time now, the one that didn't really happen... Well, I'm having an episode here with that little boy that really didn't disappear. 
while she's doing that, Alan brings out the game and sets it down in front of her, and she loses it. She, like, screams. She climbs over the back of the couch. She's running around the room. She's like, yeah. oh, Alan, I spent 2,000 hours in therapy telling myself that that game didn't happen, that none of this happened, Yeah, you didn't disappear, that your dad chopped you up into a bunch of little pieces and murdered you, and I can't. I can't, I can't do it. Don't, don't make me. Yeah, and I mean, like, that is fair. Yeah. I am certain that she had quite a bit of trauma from that. Absolutely. But she doesn't ask Alan what happened to him. Nope. She doesn't ask him where he's been. Nope. He has been in the jungle for 26 years. Yep. And also, wouldn't you think that seeing the board game would... I mean, it would probably give you a bit of a shock, but also it would verify that you weren't imagining it. Here's Alan. He was not murdered by his parents. Yeah. Which is also a traumatic thing to have happen to you when you're any age, but... Exactly. You know, 13, to think that your best friend down the street got killed by a man that you've probably interacted with quite a bit. Yeah. And who is beloved in this community and truly like a pillar of the community. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because Alan says, my dad did that. Come on. My father could barely hug me, let alone cut me into little pieces. Yes. It reminds me of the scene in The Shining. Yeah. Where Jack Torrance is talking to Delbert Grady, the caretaker, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, you were the caretaker here, and you killed your family, and then you killed yourself. Yeah. And it's just so weird for him to be like, you killed yourself, even though he's still standing there. Right. And then Delbert Grady says, I have no recollection of that, sir. Yeah. And so for her to be like, no, your father chopped you up into a bunch of little pieces. Right. And rather than him being like, I'm clearly standing here alive, he's like, my father chopped me into pieces? Come on, he's not that kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. He doesn't even hug me. So it's just the way that, like... The argument that's being made is not the one that you would think. Right, exactly. That cracks me up. So he gets her to sit back down and he hands her the dice, but she does not want to play. She's like, no, Alan, I can't do this. You know, it's too much. I I just can't. Yeah. And he says, you know what? That's fair. You don't have to play. It's okay. Just hand me the dice and you can go home. And so he holds his hand out, but he holds it over the board. Right. She goes to hand him the dice. He pulls his hand away real fast. She drops the dice onto the board. Yeah. He makes the worst face at her. Yeah. Like, ha-ha. Like, it's not apologetic. Gotcha. It's like, <laughs> fuck you, dude. Like, it, <sighs> I would yeah. just like it so much. I kind of, I guess I get why, but he's, like, so shitty to her. And it would have just been better if he'd have been like, I'm sorry, but we have to finish this and we can't do it without you. Right. But the face that he makes is, yeah, is very much like a gotcha face. Yeah, yeah and they have a little more of a heart-to-heart later, but, like, this is the point where they should have had it. Yeah. Where he should have been like, look, I was in the jungle. Right. We have to finish this game. You're not crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Right. We can work through this yes. once the game is over, but we're all in danger until we finish it. Yeah. Monkeys and mosquitoes and shit already came out of it. There's like, a lion. Yeah. Upstairs, Sarah. We gotta get, if we finish the game, everything will go away. So just help us and then we never have to talk again if that's what you want. Right. We can sit down and talk about it. But right now we need your help and we can't do it without you. Like some validation. Right. Would be nice. So this is the point where I started to wonder, a wonder that I had never wondered before. Yeah. The character Alan Parrish has so far proven himself to just be an asshole. Yeah, he sucks. Like, honestly. And, like, he has his reasons, sure. Sure. But, like, A, I'm surprised he can still, like, talk and interact with people after 26 years. Yeah. And stand upright. You know, like, walk around. Yeah. Um, But I'm also, like... Why did they choose Robin Williams for this? Yeah. I mean, I truly think it was just his star power at the time. You know, he was so big and so well-known and so beloved in children's media. Because he 
does not fit this character at all. No, and it's so weird because I don't remember that. Yeah, But now same. watching it as an adult, I'm like, why is he in this part? It's not funny. Right. And it's not heartfelt. He's not nice. Yeah. Yeah, and he's usually like, like we've talked about so many times, like he plays like warm characters. Right. Funny characters, endearing, you know, yeah. serious roles, mm. meaningful stuff. And this is just like, he's just a dick. Yeah. And he doesn't really get better. Not a lot. He gets a little bit better. But not not enough to redeem right. a lot of this. I know. And it just, it yeah, it feels weird to have Robin Williams in this role. Yeah. Because. I just don't yeah, get it. I mean, especially coming off of last week, we just talked about Aladdin and how they were like, we specifically picked Robin Williams because, yes, he is funny, but he's also so warm and caring. Yeah. And so you get that connection between him and the fact that he really cares about Aladdin and he's not just there. Yeah. To, like, dick around. And you get neither Robin Williams' classic, like, funniness in this movie, there's nor no, his warmth. Yeah, there's there's it's no improvisation. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. They really are just selling his face at this point. And, yeah, it, it feels out of character it. for him. But anyway, the dice get rolled against Sarah's will. And the board says, they grow much faster than bamboo. Take care or they'll come after you. Yeah, and then we see little bits of the ceiling start crumbling, and they look up, and these huge vines are just growing out of the ceiling uh, and spreading all across the ceiling. It's, it's the ruins! The ruins! Ah! Get out of there! Can't get off the mountain? No, they're stuck in this living room forever now. Yep. So, they all gather up. Alan says, stay away from the walls, don't make any sudden movements, stay away from the purple flowers because they shoot poisonous barbs, and especially stay away from the big yellow pods. Yeah, and... One of them says, what yellow pods? Yeah. But as they're saying that, a vine snakes out, wraps around Peter's ankle, starts dragging him toward a big yellow pod. Yeah, it like bursts out of a piece of furniture and it is huge. Yeah, and- like feet across. It still looks tight. Yes. Because it's clearly a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like got all these teeth inside of it. Not yeah. Not like teeth, but you know, like spiny- plant it's very like little shop of horrors yeah yeah and it's got a vine in the middle of it which is sucking peter towards Mm -hmm. clearly intending on eating him yep and uh and it's going to yeah it's winning grabbed onto him and they're pulling and then alan looks around and he's like okay you hang on to him real quick i'll be right back he runs over to the mantelpiece because he sees a sword is there Mm -hmm. from his great-grandfather angus parish it's his sword he grabs it he says sorry angus smashes the case pulls the sword out yells it's harvest time goes over (laughs) chops the vine that's got peter around the ankle yeah the big old yellow pod retreats and peter is saved he's saved yay while this is happening carl has found his squad car Uh uh-huh it is crashed into a tree yep he's like oh my car he gets in it and the radio is like carl has anyone seen carl where's carl come in carl (laughs) carl 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 He just flat out ignores it and is like trying to start his car. He's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And yep. then it starts miraculously. Hooray. Then he jumps on the radio, talks to dispatch. He's like, look, you know, like, where have you been? There's monkeys all over the place. We've been trying to get a hold of you. And he's yeah. like, I can't deal with that. That's animal control's problem. You're gonna have to call. Then he says some names or whatever. Yeah. He's like, I'm going over to, to the parish place to check out a suspicious person. Yeah. And as he drives away, he's mumbling, I should have been a fireman. <laughs> So we get back to the parish place. It is covered in vines. Alan, like, uses one to tie the living room doors closed, I yeah. guess. So now they're outside of the living room. Right. Or the front parlor, whatever. I don't know what rich people's houses look like. 
So as they do, Sarah tries to take off, but Alan runs over and catches her and, like, drags her back into the library. Yeah. And she says, you're not in the jungle anymore. Stop it. You don't treat people like this. Which is a little too intense. Like. Yeah. It just, this movie is not as fun as I remember it being. I know. It's a little too, it's a little more intense. I don't want to say too intense because it's still good. But it's just more intense than I remember it being. And, yeah. like, that's an intense thing to say where she's like, you, you can't treat people like this. Yeah, it it feels out of place. Yeah. Yeah. But he sits her down at the table. She tries once more to leave. She's like, I want to make some sweet tea. Anybody want some iced tea? You know, so she gets up to try and do that. She probably doesn't say sweet tea because it's New England and they don't do that. I think she just says iced tea. But he very threateningly stabs the sword into the ground. Yeah. Into the floor next to them. And she sits back down. And she tries to plead with him. And she says, Alan, the last time I played this game, it ruined my life. Yeah, he is incredulous. Yeah, it I mean, that's fair. Your life? Mm-hmm. In the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight, he right. says. But at this point, I'm like, you know what? They both have a point. Yeah, they were both kids. It was hard for both of them. Right. I mean, for one thing, the thing that happened to him is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. You know, she doesn't know for sure that it happened. She did see him get sucked into the game, but she's also spent the last 26 years of her life trying to convince herself that it didn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot... There's a lot happening. I mean, I mean, when she was a little kid, her friend disappeared into a board game. Mm-hmm. And then she was attacked by bats that came out of nowhere, which is definitely the lesser of the things True, that happened yeah. to her. But still, you know, she says, no one believed me and I was totally alone. Yeah. She tried to explain to people what happened and no one would believe her. Which and Alan makes sense. was like, yeah, so was I. Right. So I'm just saying they both have a point. You know, she got to sleep in her bed. You know, she got to go home. And yeah. be in her own bed with yeah. her parents and grow up and have a fairly normal life. But right. something really terrible happened to her. And he's sure. not giving that any sort of credit. No, but it's because he was trapped there because of her. Right. Because she quit playing. Which, yes, she was scared. Right. But... I know, I, I am frustrated with her because, yeah, in that moment you would be scared. But it's not like... You gotta put the pieces together, girl. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's not like his parents immediately moved away and packed up and yeah. or died or whatever. There was a long time, what, 21, 22 years yeah. where they were looking for him yeah. and trying to find him. And after everything died down, she definitely could have gone back to the parish home and been like, listen, I know this sounds insane, but when you came home and found that Alan was missing, there was a board game yeah. on the table. Yeah. I need it. Yeah. Let me find it. Yeah. Because. And it wouldn't be that hard. I she can could maybe even bring be him like, back. She could even be like, I miss Alan and we used to play that board game. Can I have it? Yeah. But I, I feel like she could have completely told them the truth. Yeah. And at a certain point, I think, because I mean, from the way it sounds from what the guy in the shoe factory said, it sounds like Sam Parrish got really desperate. Yeah. You know, trying to find his kid. Yeah. So I think he would have been like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's try it. But she didn't. No, she didn't. She, she ran, ran away, away from her problems. So then she explains, okay, I'm I'm scared. What if I get sucked into the jungle when I keep playing? And Alan says, you won't because I won't stop playing. I do have a question, though. Yeah. If she did keep playing, what if she didn't roll a five or eight? I don't know. Yeah, if there's only two of them, could she have rolled? Because it was her turn. Does his turn end and then he could come back? Or... If she rolls and it's not a five or eight, is he still just stuck there? I don't know. I think she just had to keep rolling the dice. Yeah. Until it said five or eight. Oh, okay. But she, I guess, would have encountered... Other stuff. Yeah. It's just like other games where it's like, 
Oh, he maybe. You have to keep getting skipped. So it would have just yeah. kept skipping his turn. Yeah, so, so things could have just kept happening to but her. But she could have just rolled really fast. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So. Back to the movie. Judy and Peter also say, we're not going anywhere. You know, we're all scared, but we're yeah. not going to stop playing. And they all put their hands in the middle of the table and mm-hmm. hold them and kind of promise to each other, we will stay until this is done. Yes. And Alan and Sarah hold hands for a little longer than they need to. Yep. But then Alan, I don't like, know why. pulls his hand back. Yeah. And then Alan rolls for his turn. Yes. And the board says, a hunter from the darkest wild makes you feel just like a child. Yeah. Mid-sentence while he's reading this, he stands up and he's looking terrified. Mm-hmm. And then he says, it's Van Pelt. Yep. And just then we hear a shot and a globe in the library explodes. Yep. And then we see Van Pelt. Yeah. Van Pelt, who is just Alan's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yep, he's a man in a big pith helmet with mm-hmm. like a spike on top of it. He's yep. dressed like in a cape and all like jungly, you know, the big jungle pants. Yeah. Big at the hips and then tiny at the knees and stuff. Yeah, and he yells, all You miserable coward, come back and face me like a man. Yeah. Alan throws the sword at him, but completely misses. Yeah. I wonder, do you think Alan ever got close enough to Van Pelt while they were in the jungle to see that it looks like his dad? I don't know. And I also wonder, one, has Van Pelt been hunting him the last 26 years? Probably. Has he aged with him? Because they make him look like an old man. Yeah. Partially, I think, to make Van Pelt look different from Sam Parrish. Right. But also, I mean, they didn't just put crazy facial hair on him. They also aged him up. Yeah. So I do wonder, is that what, like, is that what Alan's dad would look like if he were alive today? Like, yeah. he would look like that. And has he been hunting him this whole time? And yeah, did Alan ever get close enough to him to be like, Dad? I mean, they definitely sound the same. Yeah. I don't know. And also, yeah, is he just like a parallel of his dad? I guess, yeah. If so, he should have died four years ago. (laughs) Yeah. And like, what's the implication? Like, I feel like there's some deeper, like, symbolism, but I don't understand what it is. Because it could almost be like, yeah, his dad in this world was hunting for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think they tried to make some sort of parallel because at the end, Alan stands up to Van Pelt. Yeah. You know, and he says, oh, I have to stop running from the thing that I'm afraid of because my dad told me that. But I don't know. I don't get it. It's strange. Unless the game can reach into your psyche. Like if Sarah had gotten sucked in, would the hunter look different? Yeah. Or would it look like Alan's dad? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) So Alan takes off right out the front door. And is like serpentining down the front walkway and then down the street as Van Pelt shoots after him. Mm-hmm. Which I was really proud of Sarah for not bailing in this moment. Because she could have taken off. Yeah, the opportunity was there. Yeah. But she agreed. And she's doing it. Yep. Even though there's a man with a gun. Yeah, but he also left. I'm just saying if a man with a gun showed up out of a board game, I would leave. <laughs> True. That's, that's all I'm saying. No, that's fair. Uh, so we see Carl... He shows up just at that moment, yells at Van Pelt, drop your weapon, but Van Pelt just starts blasting a squad car, put a bunch of holes in it. That gun is huge. Yeah. It is for hunting big game. Oh, absolutely. 100%. He tries to fire another shot at Alan right as he's rounding a corner, but he's out of bullets. Yeah. And he just takes off. Back inside the parish home, we see that Sarah's still there. She's talking to Judy. Alan climbs through a window. Yes. He snuck around back. Judy says... Oh, was that guy the reason that you didn't want to play? Yeah, and then... And Sarah's like, oh, uh, y- you? Yeah. You didn't want to play either? It's like, 
Yeah, at this moment, I don't like Sarah or Ellen. No. But they argue about the hunter for a while. Yeah. Because Sarah's like, have you tried to talk to him? (laughs) Yeah, Ellen's like, I don't know, he's a man with a big gun. Yeah. No, I didn't sit down and talk about our differences. And Judy and Peter have set the game back up on the table in the library. I guess, no, they they didn't leave. They were still sitting there. Right. So they're waiting. Judy tries to be like, I'm going to roll. It's my turn. I'm Mm -hmm. rolling. Mm -hmm. Hello. No one's listening. Peter finally is just like, just roll the dice. Yeah, Sarah is mad because Alan called her crazy and she's been called crazy her whole life. Yeah. And then they start arguing about Billy Jessup. Right. Which Sarah doesn't even remember. No, she's like, Billy who? And Alan's like, you know... We don't hear all of it, you know, right. but then we hear Sarah be like, you mean that guy who was taking your bike all the time? And Alan's like, the guy who took you to the movies all the time? And he's yeah. just like clearly still jealous about this dude from, I mean, it's all he had to think about, you know, for right. the, he hasn't had any new life experiences. But as Judy rolls, you can just hear both of them say, I know you are, but what am I? In the background. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Terrible. But the board says, don't be fooled. It isn't thunder. Staying put would be a blunder. So many of the consequences in this game are like, better move. Time to get up. You gotta go. go you gotta go. Staying put would be a bl- you, you, Your this party better move. Post haste. Like Not a coffee table board game. No. No. It's a good thing that the pieces stay stuck to the board because you are constantly it's true. getting up and running away, which I was like, oh, but what happens if you lose the dice? So then they hear what sounds like thunder. Oh, the adults- but you know what? Don't be fooled. It's, it it's, it's not thunder. It's not. So the adults finally stop arguing. Mm-hmm. Alan says, do you feel that? And yeah. he goes over to the wall, to the bookshelf, and watches a bust of, like, I don't know, Mozart or whoever. Right, yeah. Somebody wiggle important. itself off of the shelf. Yeah. And smashes to the ground. And he says, turns around to the group and says, run! It's a stampede! Fly, you fools! <laughs> so... They all take off running out of the room. Alan's like, oh, the game! Turns around, grabs it, runs back out of the room. And just as he does that, a rhinoceros bursts through the wall, followed by many more rhinoceri and some elephants and some zebra and some pelicans. What if they just let the board game get stampeded? Then nobody wins and the elephants stay in the world forever. Do you think? Yes. Oh. The consequences of the game will not vanish until someone reaches the end and yells Jumanji! But what if that's the end of the board game? Nope. Nobody won. It doesn't count. All right. They anyway. Stick for forever. So, also, I, d- I wouldn't want to take that chance. Yeah, that's right. You know, we know that the way to get everything to go back is to finish the game. We don't know that destroying the game would work. So. Yep. So they. The pelicans are the thing that I don't get. Do pelicans routinely hang out in stampedes? They're like, oh, where are those guys going? I, I guess know. We'll go to. But yeah, a-, a pelican sees them, goes into the room, and takes the Jumanji game. Yeah. And just flies off with it. Yeah. Alan's like trying to yell at him to scare him off, but it doesn't work. And he yeah. grabs it in his big old mouth and flies away with it. And Alan takes off after him through the giant hole in the wall. Mm, created by the stampede. And yells at Peter on his way. Yeah, I don't just know why. Just Peter. Yeah. Like they were all sitting there. The game was in front of Alan. And Alan's like, Peter, why didn't you grab the game? I mean, we know why. It's because he had a shitty dad and he's become a shitty dad. I guess. He's but not his dad they just met. Any one of them could have grabbed the game. Also, yeah. there was a giant bird that was not afraid of, you're the man with the jungle experience here, bruh. Yeah. If you can't get it to do anything. Well, in any case, Sarah says, just ignore him, dear. He's a Libra. Okay. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. So they are running after Alan. They're like, where are you going? And Alan's like, he's heading for water. Right. So he's taking off running after the. Yeah. So they follow him. 
As this is happening, the phone in the parish home rings, and uh-huh. Judy picks it up, which she should have just not done that. But I'm surprised the phone still works. Yeah, no, truly. But she picks it up and answers it. She says, hello. And it's Aunt Nora. And she's like, Judy, it's Nora. Where have you been all day? And Judy goes, oh, I'm sorry, dear. You have the wrong number. And just hangs up. <laughs> she which, thinks on her face so fast. I know. It's great. Uh, as they're leaving, we see some vines that are snaking out of the house and across the yard out into the world. They've been under The ruins! The ruins! So, Van Pelt is in a gun shop. Ah, uh, yeah. I guess he just uh, sensed where that was, you know? Yeah, or he just stalked around until he found one. It doesn't seem like a very big town. He just waves his gun at people and they just point him in the direction yeah. of the gun shop. Um, I have more questions about him. Yeah, this creates a lot more questions for me. Yeah, did he have to buy bullets in the jungle? Right. Where did he get them when he was in the jungle? Also, I would like to know the parameters of the jungle. Yeah. I'm assuming that the jungle that Alan got sent to was not on Earth. It wasn't like a real... He didn't get sent to the Amazon, where he could then somehow find his way to civilization, explain who he was, and get a plan home. Because it's like, in the jungle, you must wait. The game is going to make him stay in the jungle. Yeah. Until. So... Well, and... But everything... Except for these weird vines, is very like earthly. Right. There's nothing supernatural about it. No. I mean, Van Pelt speaks English. He's like an English dude. He's got an accent and everything. Yeah. You know, he. Yeah, and him being there implies the existence of civilization. Right. So, did it just like send him to the past? Right. Before, like. He could charter a plane? Yeah. I mean, this guy looks to be from the 1800s. It's not like, you know, because he has a big gun. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know very much about guns, but this isn't like... Early 19th century, even. Yeah. They didn't have these in the 1600s, I'm guessing, you know, so it's not like it sent him that far back into the past. So, did it just send him to a jungle planet? Did it send him... Was there, like, a dome over it where he, like, got to an edge and couldn't go any farther, like, in a video game? Was it, like, he walked in a straight line and he just got back to the place where he was? Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I'm curious about his time in the jungle and what it looked like on from his point of view and why he couldn't leave or what tried to, ha- what happened when he tried to leave. Right. That, I guess like that's know. the prequel that we'll have to write in a remix yeah. episode Perfect. on the Patreon. Ooh, exciting. So Van Pelt gets to the gun shop Everybody's kind of looking at him weird. Yeah, because he looks like that. Dressed like that, yeah. Uh huh. And he walks up to the guy and he says, I need a gross of these. And he tosses him one of his bullets. Yeah, and the guy says, You know, they stopped making these in 1903. Right. No, he doesn't know that. No, he doesn't know that. But why doesn't he know that? Because Alan Parrish went into the game in 1969. So Van Pelt himself is from before 1903. Yeah. Is he from 1869? I don't know. When is he from? No one knows. Um, and if that's the case, why does he look like Alan's dad? <laughs> so he says to the shop guy that he'll need a replacement weapon then. Right. And the guy's like, all right, but there's a waiting period and you have to fill out a bunch of forms. Yeah. But Van Pelt, again, implying civilization. Right. Drops a bunch of gold coins on the desk. Right. And the guy's like, oh, you know what? I can fill it out for you. No sweat. I, I can do it. It's okay. His co-worker at the gun shop goes over and like locks the door and flips the sign to closed yeah which <laughs> that lady is not credited yeah and no one knows who she is oh like she's not credited anywhere what 
Yeah. Her, like, I was just reading, you know, about this movie, and it's just, like, the identity of this woman is not known to anyone and remains a mystery to this day, and she just is in the movie. Weird. Yeah. That's so strange. (laughs) It is very strange. So anyway, the guy at the gun shop pulls out this giant fucking machine gun, hands it to Van Pelt, and is like, you didn't get this from here. You know, if anybody asks- From the other gun shop in town. Right. And then he says, you're not a postal worker, are you? Yeah. This joke has not aged well. No. Wasn't a good joke for 1995, anyway. Uh-uh. No, it's not funny that- No, mass shootings are not comedy. Right. Mass shootings caused by PTSD from the yeah. Vietnam War, especially. Right. I mean, any mass shooting, but- Not funny. So anyway, there we are. It's some water. Yeah. Just some water. Yeah, just water. Yeah. The kids and Sarah are looking for Alan. Uh-huh. They find him facing off with the pelican. Yes. Who has the game in his big old mouth. Yes. He grabs a fish right out of the water. Yeah, Alan just snatches it, which is tight. And tosses it to the bird. Yeah. To, like, get him to drop the game. Yeah. But then he drops the game, like, in the water. Right. Again, this bird is a puppet, and so it looks cool. Yep. Also... Why couldn't Alan have just gotten in the water? It's very shallow right there. Yeah, he's, just jump in. Yeah, he's just trying not to get his shoes wet. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, you can get back to the house, take your shoes off. It's fine. Yeah, you've been through a lot of other worse so things. So much worse yeah. than this. I don't know. Like, all he had to do was put one shoe in the water and he would have gotten it. Yeah. Anyway. But he doesn't. So Peter goes running off after it, runs down the bank of the river, and sees, like, a branch overhanging and just without even, you know, no hesitation, climbs out over it. Yeah. Wraps his legs around it, hangs down from his legs over this river that has gotten kind of fast at the point where he is. Yeah. And grabs the game before it, like, goes over, not like a waterfall, but an edge where it would be much harder to get to it. Right, yeah. If only he had been there to grab Sassy. Aww. (sighs) So he gets back to the shore. Judy and Sarah are like, hell yeah, Peter, it's quick thinking. What? That was so brave of you. That was so smart. Good job. Sarah, like, nudges alan to be like fucking say something and alan goes yeah great give me the game grabs it takes yeah. off like, like what yeah alan for a second like before he gets to the group looks excited yeah like, he's, he's like, like oh yeah. shit he did it but then he makes this really sad face I and i don't know what it's about i don't either and then when sarah prompts him to praise peter he's just like yeah great let's go and i'm like what the fuck is your problem dude i do not know why are you so mean to him it's weird too because like you would think, like, being in the jungle that long, yes, he would, like, lose how to act in society. You yeah. Know? But that's not what's happening. You know, he's not acting, like, feral no. or, like, over-the-top competitive. You know, he, like, he's acting, like, passive-aggressive shitty. Right. You know, which it is, like... It would make more sense if he was nice to people because he's excited to see people. Right. But, like, eating leaves as they're walking through. Oh, this is a great snack. Yes. You know, or whatever, but... No, he's just being a dick. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? I don't know. Uh, In between this, we see Van Pelt really quick. He's arrived back at the parish home, but he sees that it's empty and there's a giant hole in the wall because of the stampede. And so he follows the trail from the stampede. Yes. Then we get, then he shows up at the river and he's like sniffing a lot. They both, (laughs) both Alan and Van Pelt can like sniff out people, which is, I don't think a thing that you learn to do ever. No. Maybe it is. Well, Van Pelt may, if he's used to hunting people. I guess. 
But Alan is not hunting people. He's no. not even around people. I know. It's weird. I guess, you, yeah, why is his sense of smell heightened? Well, it shouldn't be. Anyway. Yeah, they're, they've gotten the game. They're walking down the road. When yep. Carl drives by. Yep. Alan's like, act natural. Yeah. <laughs> Looks around. But yeah. Carl sees them. He pulls a Yui. Pulls over. Yeah. Yells at them. He's like, hey! And then he's like, oh, I don't believe this. How come every time some shit is going down, it's you? You're my problem. And Alan's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. I'm just, I'm just walking. Just walking yeah, down the road. Like, what walking. do you mean? Me? Who? Me? I don't I have no idea. Yeah. But he, like, gives the game to Peter and he's like, hide it. You know, don't let him see it. Yeah. And Carl's like, you know what? You're under arrest. You're coming with me. I'm taking you in for questioning. I'm not dealing with this anymore. I don't know that that's how that works, but that's fine. Nope. So they start... I mean, he is a suspicious person, I guess. Sure. I mean, you can't prove that he's tied to any of these things, yeah. but uh, yeah, he hasn't really done anything wrong. No, you can't yeah. point to him and be like, the elephants are your fault. Yeah, you let all the animals loose. Right. Also, know. the fact that he recognized him, yeah, the first time he saw him, he looked like a crazy jungle man. Behind. Yeah, that's and now true. he doesn't have the beard, he doesn't he have the hair, he looks nothing like that man that he saw earlier. Yeah. So the fact that he driving by, I guess he saw the kids. I guess. He saw Judy and Peter and was like, oh, it's that whole group. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, um, as he's trying to get Alan into the car and everybody's kind of protesting it, Van Pelt with his weird gun that is also a sniper somehow uh, takes a shot and misses and alan realizes what's happening so he's like okay fine i'll get in the car he puts himself in the yeah with his handcuffed hands opens the door like sits down and he's like it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine yeah the protest that sarah and judy tried to put up don't make any sense to me at all sarah's like you can't arrest him he's my uh and judy's like her fiance yeah which what does that have to do with anything i don't know and then carl's like i thought he said he was your uncle and it's like what does okay, that have to do with anything yeah, why, why would that matter they're not related to this woman can that both be true both of those things could be true and also neither of those things are reasons why you shouldn't be arrested yeah i don't know but alan's like oh it's fine i'll be back soon and he puts himself in the back seat of the car uh-huh. and they're like okay what are we gonna do without you and he's like we'll finish it later it's fine we'll finish it later we just you know we gotta go yeah so while all of this is happening Peter, who has the game, takes it to the side of the road and sets it up because it's his turn. And he's looking at it and he's counting the spaces that he needs in order to win. Right. And he only needs to get 10 more spaces and he wins the game. Yeah. But then we hear him say, Judy, and they come looking. And the game says, a law of Jumanji having been broken, you will slip back even more than your token. Mm. Which, haha, evolution reference. Yep. His token, it doesn't really show it, but his token goes back to the beginning. He has right. to start all the way over. Yeah. And Sarah is like, did you try to cheat? And he's like, no, I just tried to throw the dice in a way so that they would land on 12 and I could win. And yep. she's like, okay, honey, that that would be cheating. Yeah. And Judy says, Peter, look at your hands. And, and they're growing look. a bunch of fur on them. They're so fuzzy. He looks like Robin Williams now. I was just going to say that. <laughs> he looked like a tiny Robin Williams. Uh, we cut to the group of monkeys who are running through town. They run up to an electronic store that is playing yeah. The Wizard of Oz. They see the scene where the winged monkeys are like tearing the scarecrow apart and uh-huh. jumping up and down on him. And they all start jumping up and down on like that, which is cute. Yeah. But then they go in and they loot the electronic store, which doesn't make any sense. Monkey see, monkey do. I guess, but the- Monkey, take TV from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we see Coral, who hears over his radio again. Somebody's like, you know, they they robbed the hardware store. Right, and now they're yeah. in the blah, blah, blah. What do we do, Coral? Which I'm like, is Carl the only cop in town? Leave He's him alone. He's the only one they ever see. He's got shit going on. Yeah. But he's like, Alan- 
Well, does he know his name? No. He's like, bro, what the shit is going on? Yeah. I know you know. Yes. And Alan's like, I do know, but you wouldn't believe me if I told you, Carl. Right. And Carl's like, why do you know my name? And yeah. Alan says, oh, I know more than your name. Uh-huh. I know you worked at Parachute Company, and they used to call you the Soul Man. Yeah, and Carl kind of reminisces for a bit. He's like, that's right, they did call me the Soul Man. Man, I tell you what, I had an idea that was going to turn this town around, or mm-hmm. put this town on the map, or whatever, he says. Yeah, and Alan says, yeah, with your shoes. Right, which makes Carl go, like, what? How do you know that? But also, not that big of a leap. No. You know, I feel like anybody could re- he because he just said you used to work at the parachute company and he's like yeah i had an idea that was gonna turn this town around yeah. and you know like alice would be like i bet you it was a bright green jiggly substance that people could use to put on their shoes and make them play basketball better <laughs> like no it's clearly a shoe design yes so it's not that big of a leap right. but anyway it makes carl a little sus yeah and, he's and then squinty eyed looking at alan in the alan says mirror. carl i know it doesn't mean much after 26 years but i'm sorry it's me Alan. Yeah. We get this shot of Robin Williams in the rearview mirror of this car, and the way that he's, like, holding his bod and his face and everything- And the way his hair is, like, falling in his face, yeah. He looks like that kid. He does. Like, they did a great job. Then we see Sarah and Judy and Peter, who was just half a monkey at this point. Right. Walking through the town, where there's just- a bunch of people are just looting all these stores. Yeah, and Peter's like, what's going on? And Sarah says, oh, there's a sale. Yeah. They try to go to an ATM to get bail money for mm. Alan, but yeah. it's broken. Yep. So she's like, I don't know, maybe they'll take a check. As they're trying to figure out what to do, Van Pelt sneaks up behind them and snatches the game out of Peter's hands. Why? Um, I guess he knows that they have to finish it in order to get him to go away. Oh, so he's trying to stop them? Yeah. So that he can get to Alan first? Yeah. Okay. He understands the mechanics of the game because he explains it a little bit later. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, he's just he just trying to get to Alan. He knows that Alan is not with them, but mm-hmm. he's like, well, Alan's going to need this game back. So yeah. this is how to get to him, I guess. He tries to deliver a message to Alan through the other three of them. He's like, you tell that sniveling coward that right. if he wants to fate. And while he's doing this, a huge group of people rushes past. And in this moment, Peter runs up to him grabs the game back out of his hands Mm -hmm. and runs off. Peter is so brave. He is. Like, he keeps just taking charge. He's a very tough kid. Of this man with a gun. Like, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm very impressed. The people, it turns out, the people stampede. Yes. Are running from the animal stampede. Yes. (laughs) Because they are smaller. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it works. And so it's best if they get out of the way. Uh Uh-huh. So Peter runs into a car and climbs down under the steering wheel to, like, avoid getting trampled. Yeah. But, like, it gets crushed by a bunch of elephants. It's so scary. It's honestly a very terrifying scene. It really is. Because, yeah, he climbs, I mean, he's little. Yeah. And so he's in the driver's seat, but then he sees an elephant running towards it. So, he yeah, he gets down, like, where the gas and the brake pedals are. And the car gets, compl- an elephant walks over top of it. Yeah. And it just gets, like, crunched down. I'm like, he's just going to crush this kid to death. I know. And, but you see him, like, trapped in there, too, for a yeah. second. And it, like... It made me claustrophobic. No, because Van Pelt then comes over, opens the door, snatches yeah. the game out of Peter's hands again, dick. while Peter is like stuck in this car. Yeah, but he is okay. Yeah, Sarah and Judy come back and pull him out, mm-hmm. and then they follow Van Pelt through the town. Yes, he's headed to a grocery store called Sir Savala. Yes, this is my least favorite part of this movie. Yeah. It goes on for way too long. It is really long. I remember them being in the store, but they are in the store for way too long. Yeah. 
So anyway, um, while they're in the store, there are a bunch of people in there just stealing stuff. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, Judy, and Peter walk in. They see the Jumanji game just sitting on a counter. Yeah. On a companied. So Sarah's like, okay, I'm going to go get it. She walks over to get it. But of course, Van Pelt is hiding behind the counter. Pops out, grabs her. Yeah, the least inventive trap yeah, possible. It was so... Yeah, she fell for it. And then he says, when Alan hears of your predicament, he'll come. Yeah. What? Ooh. Ooh. But Sarah's like, that's not going to work. He doesn't even know where I am. He doesn't know that I'm here. So I'm just going to go, actually. Yeah. But Van Pelt shoots a bunch of rounds into the ceiling, yep. which makes a bunch of people scream and take notice. And he says, uh, don't move or I'm going to blow your brains out. Yeah. And a bunch of people run away and they're like, we're going to call the police. I'm like, you guys are in here just looting. Yeah. But at least they don't have guns. Right. But I just mean, like, are you are you going to call the police? Are the police going to do anything? Aren't the police very busy right now? Like, yeah. Why is this the thing that we call the police about? I don't know. It's just like, that doesn't... I know. It's chaos. It's gonna do nothing. Well, because they were just stealing things, which hurts nobody, and this man is threatening to blow this woman's brains out. But then, Peter pulls a ferret. Yeah. He runs up and bites Van Pelt in the leg. Uh Uh-huh. And he lets go of the game. Yep. Sarah runs off with it. Yep. Peter runs in the opposite direction. Uh Uh-huh. And Judy grabs a scan gun. Yes. To blind Van Pelt with the laser. Yes. This is where the scene should have ended. Yeah. They should. They've got it. He's blinded. Ah! Yeah, she's, she scans his eyeballs and yells, price check! Yeah. No sale. <laughs> they should have run out at yeah. this point. Yeah, leave. Go out the door. They, they do not. They do not. So we see Carl and Alan are uh-huh. sitting on the side of the road. Yep. Because Carl has had to pull over because of this revelation that Alan Parrish is alive. Yep. And in his backseat and has something to do with all this crazy jungle shit that's uh-huh. happening. And it does seem like Carl actually believes him because he uncuffs him. Yeah. And he says, okay, what now? What do, you know, what do we do next? Yeah. And Alan, like a dick, handcuffs Carl to his car door and then throws the handcuff keys over a fence into the field on the side of the road. I don't understand why. None of that was necessary. Carl the car was on works. Board. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're in the middle of nowhere. You're going to have to walk to wherever you're going if Carl doesn't drive you there. Yep. And Carl believes you and was willing to let you go and was like, yeah, what do we do now? help you. Yeah. <sighs> Alan's like, sorry, this is something that I have to do. No, it's not. You'll understand later. No. no we won't. As he's walking away. Yeah, because we have all the information and we don't understand. Right. Anyway, as Alan is walking away, he hears over the dispatch Lorraine saying, we've got a call of a hostage situation at the Sir Save a Lot. There's a man in a pith helmet with a gun holding hostage a woman and two children. Right. And Alan's like, oh shit, I know them. So he goes back to the car, gets in the driver's seat, yeah. makes Carl like scoot over. So they're sharing the driver's seat. Because he which is, is dangerous. to the door. Right. So they can't actually close the door. No. And how does he start the car with no keys? He just threw the handcuff keys. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were separate. That's silly. It is silly. So they drive to the Cersei a lot. Alan says, don't worry, I've done this before once. Which I'm like, Carl can drive this car. I mean, he his right hand is attached to the driver's side door, so it's awkward for him, but he is already doing that and yeah. in your way. You might as well just let him drive the car yeah. with his left hand, which he can do better than you because you've driven once in your entire life and yeah. it didn't go well. Right, so even his plan of like, I've handcuffed you to the car and thrown away the key, and now I'm going to walk to where I'm going. Yeah. Carl could have still just driven his car. Yep. He, uh, I know. 
And honestly, Carl is being so much more calm about this than I would be. Oh, so much. He's just like, oh, okay. okay. Uh, the Cersei have the lots this way. Yeah, let me tell you how to get there. What? I mean, I, yeah, like, what? <sighs> handcuffing him to his car and just tossing the handcuff keys means that all Carl has to do is drive back to the police station and get unhand. I'm sure they have one more than one set. Yeah. All he's done is inconvenienced him. I mean, I guess it means that Carl has to do that instead of following him wherever he's going, but, uh, no. Anyway, it's just a dick move and it doesn't make any sense. So they peel out, they head for the store. Yeah. We cut back to the store, we see Sarah running through the store with the game in her hands. Right. Why don't they just leave? I don't know! She's being pursued by Van Pelt. They're, like, gathering things in a shopping cart and passing them off to each other. Like, Sarah runs, pushes the cart away from herself down an aisle, yells, Judy! Judy pops out, grabs it, takes off with it. Peter is dragging a kayak and, like, some big old, like oxygen tanks or whatever kind of tanks they are i don't know like pressurized tanks yeah um it's yeah it's probably whatever they use well they're really big maybe scuba yeah yeah i was gonna say paintball but they're big um we cut back to alan and car we cut back to alan and carl who are driving down the road and they see like a motorcycle cop pull up behind them with the lights on carl's like oh good back up yeah well alan goes oh no we've got company which is like you're in a cop car it's a cop they're not pulling you over idiot but carl says no don't worry it's just a traffic cop they'll help us but then of course the motorcycle pulls up beside them and it's got three monkeys on them three monkeys on it one of which is holding a gun yes like he knows how to use it and the other one has a helmet that's covering his eyes the one who's driving yeah yeah (laughs) so alan just steps on the gas and they kind of pull out in front of us yeah we go back to the store peter is pouring laundry detergent all over the floor yep what is this home alone this whole fucking scene is so annoying it is it's it's so unnecessary yeah so judy sees van pelt and she takes off running and he chases her and it lures him into the spot where peter has poured detergent all over the floor right so he slips around a bunch yeah while he's doing that it gets him exactly in the spot that peter needs him to be in and peter puts on a welding helmet like looks at him wherever like, he got that from. makes eye contact with him yeah Flips down this welding helmet and then, like, drops a barbell on the tops of these tanks. Yeah, so that, that are they, like, attached to this kayak. Go off and the kayak shoots forward and hits Van Pelt, like, in the knees so he falls into the kayak and then the kayak hits the wall. Yeah. And he's <laughs> he screams like a small child in this part. Yeah. It's very weird. I know, I think it's supposed to be funny and it's really not. Yeah, well, none of the rest of this movie is funny. No, it's true. Sarah and the kids all run up to where Van Pelt has run into the wall to, like, see their handiwork. Yeah. And they stand around. It seems like way too much setup. They got all these materials, and for very little reward, because he gets up immediately afterwards. Yeah. He's not incapacitated at all. He gets up and starts walking after them. They haven't left. They didn't immediately run away. They checked to make sure that he was down, and he's not. So they're still there. He gets up and starts walking after them. They run down an aisle towards this wall of tires, and he gets off a couple shots, which releases the tires yeah. from their restraints. And they all scream and start running away from them. But I'm just like, just disperse, move, yeah, or just stand there, or get up on some shelves. Just let them run into you. Yeah, they're just tired. I don't know. So they all get knocked down by the tires and yeah. are now trapped by Van Pelt. So that whole scene. Was, was pointless. pointless. They Absolutely accomplished pointless. nothing. Yeah. So then he oh. walks over to where Sarah is 
like laid out yeah. by these tires and says, stop your cringing woman. I could have shot you at any moment. Yeah. And he- so she's like, well, why haven't you? Yeah. And he's like, but, well, because Alan's the one who rolled the dice. So he's the one I'm after. Yeah. I am here for Alan. Yeah. Not, not you. you. So this explains to us that he understands that it's a game and he is bound by the parameters of the game. He is here for Alan. Yeah. So that's why he keeps stealing the game from them. His, when we see him really up close in this moment and he's talking, yeah, his like old man prosthetic makeup yeah. looks very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like really cakey. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. So. So Alan and Carl are almost there. Uh-huh. They see the shop. Uh-huh. There it is. There it is. It's Carl coming says, up. All right, hit the brakes. Uh-huh. Alan says, uh, I am. I am doing that. I think. Doing that. Pretty sure. But we get a shot from under the car, and uh-huh. we see the brake fluid is just uh, spraying everywhere. Is that how brakes work? I don't know. <sighs> I thought brake fluid was just to, like, keep it lubricated. I don't know how cars work. I don't either. I guess it's the quickest visual way to show you, like, the brakes do not work. Yeah. But also, is this the first time that he tried to hit the brakes since they left the side of the road? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he has not slowed down one time. I guess not. But Van Pelt is like, all right, he... They should be here at any moment. Uh-huh. And uh, you know what? What? There he is. Oh, there he is. He comes right through the wall. Uh-huh. He hears him coming, Van Pelt does, and turns towards the noise. He's at first excited. He's yeah. like, oh, yes, my prey. Yeah. But then realizing that the car is not slowing down, uh-huh. his face changes. Uh-huh. The car crashes through the front of the store, through a bunch of shelving units. There's a guy that, like, definitely just straight up dies. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's, like... He's trying to get out of the way of, like, a bunch of shelves, but there's no way he didn't get crushed by the car, the way the angle of the camera is, and I was just like, ah. Love that. Yeah, and they knock a whole shelf of paint cans down onto Van Pelt. Uh Uh-huh. Crush him. Classic 90s way to kill a villain. It's true. (laughs) Paint cans. Yeah. Very big in the 90s. Yeah. So Sarah grabs the game, Alan runs up to them, and he's like, where's Peter? And Peter says, I'm right here, and climbs out of the tires, and Alan just goes, oh, great. We cl- the kid is clearly suffering. Like, he looks like a monkey. And you can't be like, oh, shit, what happened to you? He just goes, oh, great. Yeah. God, I hate this dude. I know. Anyway. He, like, asks where Peter is. Yeah. And then he says, oh, great, when he sees him. Well, he probably only says, where is he? Because they can't finish the game without him. But he's, like, not concerned for his well-being no. at all. He just wants to make sure that he's there. So then we see Nora. She's driving home. Which, wh- where has she been all day? I don't know. I know she went to get a permit for her bed and breakfast, I guess. But, like... She's been gone all day. The town. She's been in the town. Maybe. To get a permit, you have to get it from the town that you're in. Maybe she had to get it from the county and there's a bigger city in the county. I don't know, but... She's been gone all day. There's a lot going on and she would have heard about it. Truly. Well, no, because she's listening to her self-help tapes that she's clearly listened to a thousand times because she's like mouthing along with it. And remember, circumstances are never out of your control. Unless there is a stampede. End of tape three. So while she's flipping the tape over, she hears the local news on the radio that's explaining that 98 people have been affected with this weird rash. And if you're experiencing any symptoms, please call the police, which I'm like, they a little busy. Right. Yeah, they're not going to answer. They don't have that many police in this tiny town. No, Carl's busy. (laughs) So she pulls up to a red light. If you have any symptoms, please call Carl. (laughs) He'll get to you when he can. Yeah, take a number. And as she's sitting at this red light, she hears and feels this rumbling. Yeah. And it's the stampede running by. Yep. And she gets out of her fucking car to look at it. Yeah. Thank God 
it stays in the direction that it's going. Yeah, it could have crushed her. The fuck? There's just one like slow rhino. I know. That's like <laughs> in the back. <laughs> I know. He's cute. It is cute. She's just like, what the fuck? While she's doing that, a monkey climbs into her open car door and gets in the back seat. Yep. She gets back in the car. The light turns green. I'm glad that the stampede is respecting the traffic lights. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. nice of them. Flow sure. of traffic. You got to yeah. keep it, keep it going. So she drives a little ways, but then the monkey pops up from her back seat and she crashes her car in a ditch. Yep. Uh, next, we see Carl in the Sir Save a Lot dragging his car door detached yep. from the car through the store, trying to find a saw. He finds one. He's just trying to hack off his own arm. No, he's just trying to cut through the handcuffs. He's like, I'll get it. And then Jigsaw appears. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? Hello, Carl. We are find playing a game. In a Sir Save a Lot. We're already playing a game. This game sucks. So Alan and company are walking through the streets again. Yep. Sarah is like, will you please talk to Peter? Why do we keep getting Robin Williams being begged by a woman to just talk to a young boy? Would you please, please just talk to him? Yeah. It's the second time it's happened. I bet you it happens in Flubber. I bet it does. It didn't happen in Aladdin. In fact, it was the opposite. Robin Williams was like, would you please just go talk to her? Yeah. But in two movies now that we've covered, we've had a woman be like, would you please just go talk to him? Yeah. I mean, he's not a good guy. Like, you haven't seen him be a great role model. I don't know why, like, she doesn't go talk to him. She has been in her way. She's been trying to talk to him. Yeah, Don't pay attention to him. Because she knows that Peter is trying to get Alan's approval. Yeah. He doesn't have a dad anymore. He really wants to impress this guy. He's been doing crazy shit to try and impress him. Yeah. And Alan's just being a dick about it. Also, he's literally still a child. I know. Yeah. So Alan goes to talk to him and continues to be a dick about it. Yep. He says, I warned you about this. What? But no, you wanted to play the game. What? No, he didn't warn him about anything. And Peter wanted to play the game before Alan was out of the game. So he didn't tell him not to do it. Yeah. So he says, stop crying. Crying never helped anyone. Okay. You have a problem. You face it like a man. Well, he's a monkey now, so. Yeah. But then Alan kind of realizes that he's being an asshole and he stops yeah. and he says, you know, I'm so sorry. 26 years in the deepest, darkest jungle and I still became my father. I'm sorry. You know, it's okay to cry. Remember what you told me earlier? It's okay to be afraid. And I'm afraid, yeah. you know, and, and you're afraid and it's okay. But then. Yeah. Peter's like, it's not that. It's not that. So he's like, oh, what is it? And he kneels down and Peter whispers in his ear. And so Alan goes around behind him. <laughs> And rips a hole in his pants yep. so that his giant monkey tail can stick yeah. out. Which, honestly, having a prehensile tail would be pretty tight. You know, we talked about it before when I was like, what kind of animal feature would you want? Yeah. You You're like, a uh, monkey tail, please? Uh, hell yeah. So they go back to the house. Yep. And as they're walking up to the front door, Alan says, it's cool. You know, we're all together. We've got the game. We're going to go in here and we're going to finish this game no matter what. Yep, because... They get into the inside of the house, and it just looks like a jungle now. It looks so cool! Yeah. If they could keep it looking like this without destroying the integrity of the house, and without, you know, like, the lion and the killer mosquitoes and all the other bullshit, it would be the dopest themed bed and breakfast ever. Yeah. Like, come stay in the inside jungle. Ooh. It'd be so cool. It's so misty, and, like, the plants are so beautiful and lush. It'd be so humid, though. Yeah, but I mean, if it's still inside, you could keep it a little bit cooler. True. It looks cool. Yes. This is the point, too, where I was like, something that I do really appreciate about this movie 
that a lot of other movies don't do is that the problems keep compounding. Yeah. Because I feel like so many times you run into a problem and it doesn't get resolved. It just never goes away. Yeah. It just kind of disappears and, and nobody like, thinks about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. What happened to the... But they keep showing us what the monkeys are doing. Uh-huh. We keep hearing reports of these mosquitoes that are making people sick. We keep seeing the stampede run yeah. through the city. So I just really like that. And you the know, vine. The, yeah, the vines have kept growing. Still and up to some bullshit. It becomes a problem later. So I just, I like that none of these problems go away, I guess, is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, maybe this is where the all the animals went that were conjured by the genie in Aladdin. Oh, yeah, Because we yeah, were yeah. like, he conjured all these. Where did they go? Yeah. They're the 95 white Persian monkeys. Are they? Yep. Alan walks in and says, suddenly I feel right at home. Hmm. Which, <laughs> you uh, are. Yep. You're both at home and at home. Get it? Yes. Uh, Carl has finally removed himself from the handcuffs in his car door. Yep. And is pouring some fluids back into his car. Just get another car, my dude. Uh, right. He slams the hood back down and it just completely falls off. And he doesn't even register. No, like, yeah. he just, he's like, well, he, he makes no kind of indication. He just gets in it, drives away. Yep. Which I thought was pretty funny. He is incredibly chill. He really is. Throughout this. Yeah. He's just like, well gonna go deal with this now uh yeah you've made a good point though here Hmm. are the brakes still broken yeah because i'm assuming he put brake fluid back in right but if the line is busted yeah it's just gonna fall all right back out Uh, yeah yeah get a different car anyway as he drives away Mm -hmm. we see van pelt's hand sneaking out from beneath the paint cans very shredder at the end of teenage mutant ninja turtles Mm -hmm. in the garbage pile Mm -hmm. like this do you see it guys you see it do you see what they're doing (laughs) <laughs> just like that uh carl is driving his just absolutely destroyed car i don't know where he's going well he's going to the parish place oh okay because he's like i'm gonna go find that dude again yeah he has a giant purple teddy bear in the back seat that oh. he acquired when they smashed through the sir save a lot oh i didn't even notice very that funny that's cute it's like huge and very bright and it's just really cute yeah but while he's driving, he gets on the radio to tell dispatch that he's going to the parish place because he says, I think I know who's behind this, which I'm like, you literally do. Yes, like he, he, he told you. He just told you that he's behind it yeah. and who he is and kind of what's happening. Yes. But there's no one on the other end of dispatch. It's just monkeys. Yeah. And it takes him a minute to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. He just is like responding to the other end going. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Lorraine? God. God, I hope Lorraine's okay. <laughs> As he's driving, he sees Nora on the side of the road who flags him down. Uh Uh-huh. A vine nearly grabs her. Yes. But she steps away just in time. Do you think this is as scary if you haven't read The Ruins, or do you think you and I are just like, fuck? Uh, I mean, it's scary either way, but, like, are we predisposed to be terrified by these vines? Because, god. Even the decorative vines that we have in here give me the creeps sometimes, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's us. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, audience, that we talk about the ruins so much, but it's just a big part of our psyches, and it's our podcast, so shut up. Anyway. Yeah, y'all should read it. You, you should, but you should not. Yeah. She flags down Carl. Yep. Which, as he's, like, pulling to a stop, she's, like, really getting a look at what his car looks like, and yeah. she's like, uh... Mm-hmm. But she still asks for a ride home. Yeah, I mean, it's moving. The car is going. I guess. Yeah, and she's like, can you give me a ride home? It's on Jefferson Street. It's the old parish place. Uh-huh. And he asks her if she has children. Yeah, a boy and a girl. Yeah, and she's like, oh god, what happened? And he's like, get in, I'll explain it all to you. Yeah. On the way. Right. But she starts screaming. Yes. <laughs> because a vine has snaked its way out of the woods uh-huh. and reached into the car 
and he uh-huh. jumps out at the last second and yeah. it like folds the car in half and pulls it into the woods yeah actually just crunches it completely like bifolds it he just stands there looking at it for a second and it's really hard to explain but just the way that his face doesn't move before he speaks yeah he's just completely stone face and then goes fine like <laughs> it all I don't know. Hits it once. almost surprises me. Yeah, that yeah. his face and the words all change at the same time. So anyway, he's like, "Fine, keep it." Yep. So they take off walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Back at the house, Sarah, Peter, Judy, and Alan have set up the game in the middle of the hallway. Yeah, just amongst all the like tree roots and vines and shit. So this part annoys me. Yeah. Sarah asks if they should maybe play somewhere else, but Alan is like, "No, I feel safe in here. What? It's out there that scares me." What? Safe so, in the jungle? Yeah. Or safe in your house? In the jungle right. is what he's, like, yeah. referencing. I know. And I'm like, no, you've been complaining about being in the jungle and how it isn't safe. Yeah. I mean, maybe it wasn't until he got back into, like, the jungly jungle that he was like, actually, I feel a lot safer here. But it's a stupid thing to say. No, because all it's of the jungle It's out there that scares me. That's where you've trying to... Out there. That's where you've been trying to be for the past movie. Right, but out there is dangerous because it is a jungle. Like, all of the dangerous things from the jungle are out there. Right. That's why it's scary. You haven't come back to, like, oh, it scares me out there because I'm gonna have to get a job. Like, shit has been fucked since you got back. Right. I don't understand what this means. It's been jungly. Yeah, and he's been trying, he was trying to get back to his life. Oh, I'm gonna go find a job, or I'm gonna whatever, whatever. Like, he didn't... I'm gonna beat up Billy Jessup. (laughs) Anyway, it's Sarah's turn. It's Sarah's turn. She rolls a three and she says, Every month at the quarter moon, there'll be a monsoon in your lagoon. Oh, she started her period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in your lagoon. <laughs> uh, she kind of shrugs. She's like, this is the least worst thing that's ever happened. And she goes, well, a monsoon. Well, at least we're inside. And Alan goes, yeah, right. And he's putting his jacket up over his head. Why did they not just go ahead and start moving? I don't know. Like, it's a monsoon. Right. They should have started up the stairs immediately. But instead, they just sit there. And she goes, huh, well, at least it's inside. They they should have gone outside. Yes. If they all thought, oh, well, at least it's inside, that would make sense. But once it starts raining in the house. Also, yes. But Alan, even before it starts raining, knows that it's not going to be outside. Yes. So he says, he's like, yeah, right. And puts his jacket up over his head like, that's going to fucking help. So stupid. Anyway, it starts raining very heavily in the house. Yep. And they're like, what do we do? And Alan's like, we have to get to higher ground. Why did he not suggest that immediately? He knew it was coming. Anyway, they start trying to go up the stairs. This huge rush of water knocks them back down the stairs. Yes. And while they're swimming around in the hallway and they've lost the game, Sarah sees a giant fucking crocodile. Yeah. So a table floats by. Yeah. And they all climb up on top of it. I'll never let go, Jack. And into the chandelier. Yes. Sarah Uh, is the last one to be able to get up. Yeah. And a crocodile comes up and smashes its face down on the table. Right. Which causes her to slide down towards its mouth. Uh Uh-huh. Peter gets flung off the chandelier because the table hits it. Yes. And he's in the water. Mm -hmm. Alan reaches down and grabs him by his very useful prehensile tail. Uh Uh-huh. Hauls him up. Then he jumps into the water to get the crocodile that has Sarah. 
The crocodile is the coolest effect in this movie. It is a puppet, and yes. that is why. It looks so good. It I does. I know, but it looks better than... Because, like, the lion head was a puppet, oh, and it yeah. looks okay. Yeah. The pelican looks pretty rad. Yeah. The big flower, like, carnivorous flower looked pretty rad. The crocodile is my favorite part. Yeah. It's the most realistic-looking thing, and it's the spookiest. I mean, I, wonder I think if partially because like, it's half underwater. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, water movement is easier to mimic. Maybe. When I watched the behind the scenes, it talked about how they had a hard time getting him to work. It's like the shark in Jaws where yeah. it's always breaking down because keeping animatronics working and also wet is very hard to do. Right. Uh, they had the same problem in Jurassic Park. Yeah. But he just looks so scary and badass. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. So Alan jumps on his back and is like wrestling him, which is rad. Yeah. Except for... This crocodile is so big. He's so big. But even really big crocodiles, if you just grab their mouth, all their, I mean, as far as I know, all of their jaw power is in the biting down. Oh. They have no open strength for, yeah. Open so strength. If you see crocodiles just with like a rubber band around their mouth, they can't oh. do anything about it because That's why they do that. all of their strength is in the biting down. Interesting. So I'm like, just hold on to his face, man. Yeah. I mean, he's still thrashing around, but he yeah. he's, would stop chomping at least. Huh. Well, anyway. in any case, Carl and Nora have arrived at the house. Uh-huh. But they can't get the door open. No. It's not raining outside. No. They should have left the yeah. house. Yes. They're stupid. They should have gone right out the front door. I they... mean, I guess the monsoon would have followed them wherever they are. I but guess, once it but started... It wouldn't have been so floody. Right. If there were more space for the water to go. Yep. Anyway, they hear a lot of screaming and Nora is worried, but Carl's like, oh, they probably left the TV on too loud. Really, Carl? After all you've seen today, you just think it's a TV? That's why he's so chill about it, I guess. Nora tries to open the door, but she can't get it open. Yeah, there's a lot of water pressure behind Carl's it. Carl's like, I'll do it. He goes over, he can't do it. So he says, stand back, ma'am. I've always wanted to try this. Uh-huh. And he gives the door a solid kick, and it immediately starts leaking from several places. Yep. They kind of stare at it for a little bit while backing away, but then the doors are blown off by all the water pressure, mm-hmm. and they are both knocked back in this huge torrent that comes out of the door. Yep. Uh, after some struggle, we see that Alan grabs onto the kids, just hangs onto them. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess they're hanging onto him, so he doesn't go out the door with all the water. Yeah. The crocodiles go streaming out the water, mm-hmm. out the door. They glide past Nora and Carl, who are riding the doors through the streets, which I feel like I mean, there was a lot of water, but there wasn't that much water. I feel like it would pretty quickly... Yeah, spread out. Spread out amongst the yard, yeah. No, they're just, like, riding on these doors, like, through the street, like, really fast. Yeah. And pretty far. Yes. And, like, in a straight line. Yes. And the CGI in this part is really bad. Yes. But it's funny. Yeah. Because there's no way that that this would be so, like, easy. Right. You know, like, it's not it like would... they're in a ditch. Right, it's no. the street, so it would have just completely spread out either way down the street into the house across the street, like right. in their yard. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have become a river because there wasn't enough water. Yeah, because it was just in the house. And also, I just feel like the proportions on this part are weird too, because there are like they're in the street and there are cars parked on the road. Yeah, and but they look very tiny on the doors, just like yeah. floating. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah, it's all very silly. So everybody climbs down from the chandelier. Yep. Alan picks Sarah up from the chandelier, which is hilarious because Bonnie Hunt's like a foot taller than Robin Williams. Yeah. But their faces are very close to each other. Mm -hmm. She says, Alan, you wrestled an alligator for me. You know, no one's ever done that. Yeah. And she tries to kiss him. Yeah. And he pulls his head back and says, "Uh, it was a crocodile. You can tell 
alligators don't have that like ridge on their tails. And she's just like, uh, and he like walks away. What do you want? Goes, He's a 37 year old virgin. My mistake. Oh yeah, that's true. He has no game. Smooch. Also, He's a dick. She was leaning in for it. He doesn't have to have game. He just has to stand there. He's a dick. He's a dick. He doesn't deserve the smooch. They head up to the attic. He doesn't deserve the smooch. Peter closes the door and it makes everybody jump. Yeah. So they sit down. It's Alan's turn to roll. He's sitting there with the dice. He says the, I think, probably only line that Robin Williams managed to improvise and get left in the movie. Yeah. He goes... Because it feels very out of place for his sense of humor and out his character, character, but it feels, yeah, it feels very Robin Williams. Yeah. Where he just goes, I've got it! Colonel Mustard in the library with a wrench. And he, like, kind of chuckles, and then he looks at Peter, who rolls his eyes at him, and he just goes, clue. Yeah. Anyway, he rolls. He rolls a seven. Yeah, he's, he's only, only two away. He's only two away. It's almost over. We're so close. It says, beware the ground on which you stand. The floor is quicker than the sand. Yeah. This is the part that I remembered really well. Yes. Because the floor turns to quicksand. Uh Uh-huh. They all get out of the way, except for Alan. Yeah, because he was right in the middle of it. Why are they never, like, ready for something? I don't know. They're all sitting down. They're not, like... Be up and vigilant. Yes. I mean, I understand that it was going to catch him because he's the one who rolled it. Right. So they all, they were just on the edges of this pool of quicksand. But they're not ready to get up and spring into action either. No. They're not prepared for anything. Right. Anyway, he gets sucked like into the ground in the quicksand another question yes why did they i know why because for this why did they bother going to the attic they the water is gone i don't know they don't need to get to higher ground anymore because it's not raining anymore maybe there are fewer vines and animals up there i don't know yes anyway so sorry then what happens he's in the quicksand Uh he's getting sucked down (laughs) peter keeps trying to hand him stuff (laughs) You're afraid of getting sucked in. <laughs> Again. <laughs> God. Anyway, yeah. Judy goes Woo. and grabs uh, like a coat rack, hands it to him. Yeah. It comes apart. Yeah. Peter she, hands him something else. A trombone. It comes apart. He goes, stop giving me things that come apart. Yeah. Judy goes to roll her turn. Yeah, because they're like, if we roll, it'll the quicksand will stop. Uh-huh. Because it'll go to the next turn. Her message says, there is a lesson you will learn. Sometimes you must go back a turn. Uh-oh. So her piece actually goes back a few spaces. Yeah. But the floor stops being quicksand. Yep. It turns back into wood around Alan's face and Sarah's arms. Because Sarah has, like, she laid down a board so yeah, that she, was... she could sit on it and not get sucked in. Yeah. And... You're afraid of getting sucked in. <laughs> And, like, she grabs him by, like, the shoulders, I guess, or whatever, so she can just, like, pull his face up so he doesn't suffocate in the quicksand. Yeah. And so his, like, hands are sticking out, and her arms are stuck in the floor. Yeah, and his little face. And his little face is squished like this. Yeah. It's just, like, around his face in a circle. At least he can breathe, I guess. Exactly. He says, that was very good, Judy. Very quick thinking. Sarah and I would like to get out of the floor, so it's your turn, Peter. Yes. So Peter rolls. Mm Mm-hmm. And we see Alan and Sarah share this touching question mark moment I where don't know. Sarah says, I thought I'd lost you again. Very sweet of her. Alan says, thanks for sticking around this time. Fuck off. And then he, like, tries to pet her hair. Yeah. Uh, no. Ugh. Peter's Peter, message yes. says, need a hand? We'll just you wait. We'll help you out. We each have eight. Spiders do not have hands, but I get 
the point. What if these spiders did have hands? <laughs> that would be even creepier. <laughs> yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> anyway, the spiders are coming and they are huge. Yeah, and they're pretty dumb looking. So big. But they are like remote controlled puppet things, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I learned later. But I would definitely be scared of them. I know, but you could just punt them. Yeah. Give them a good swift kick. Yeah. In the ass. Yeah. And But Alan can't see what's going on. Uh-huh. He says, what is it? Right. Because everybody's like, ah! Yeah. He says, what is it? And they go, nothing. And he says, you don't go, ah, for nothing. And then he <laughs> looks over and sees a spider and he goes, ah! <laughs> It's very funny, actually. Yep. So they're they're kind of trying to kick them, and Alan tells Peter that his dad kept an axe in the woodshed. Yeah. And they go to get it. Yeah. So he does. But I was like, honestly, that axe is probably an evidence, because everyone thought that Sam Parrish chopped Alan up into a bunch of pieces. So my guess is the police probably took it. Yeah. To make sure it didn't have blood on it. Maybe they gave it back, And though. never gave it back. Yeah, maybe. But Judy starts smacking the spiders as they come near people as Peter runs off. We see little monkey Peter making little monkey noises. <laughs> He's just running through the house like, hoo, hoo, hoo. Nora finally gets back home. Yes. And uh, she's a little surprised to see what has become of the house. Uh-huh. Yeah, not quite how she left it that very morn. No. Peter runs to the woodshed, but it is locked. Uh-huh. So he grabs an axe to open it and starts chopping. Yes. Then he realizes what he's doing. Yes. Looks directly at the camera. <laughs> takes off for the house. You remembered this part. Yeah. And it is the funniest part in the whole movie. I don't know. He looks so sad. Yeah. He like, looks, like, disappointed in himself. I get It just... I want it to be funny, but he looks so sad. Yeah. Anyway, he runs back through the house with the axe. He sees Nora. He says, Aunt Nora, it's me, Peter. And then he just locks her in the closet. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, can't talk now. I'll explain later. Yep. <laughs> That's fair, honestly. It's true. She, yep. You know, she'll be safer in there. As Peter is running, we see that Alan's bottom half is hanging through the ceiling. Yeah. Which makes me like, they should have just let him go all the way through then. I don't think that they could have known that that's where he was going. No. But he would have just sunk into the next room. Maybe. I mean, he probably would have hurt himself. Yeah, it's like three stories. Yeah. Because he's above, like, the spiral staircase, so he probably would have ended up on the first floor. Yeah, I guess that's true. But they don't know that. I don't think they know where they're oriented in the attic. Yeah. I do wonder, though, did he Did he, he know? feel? When it was quicksand, yeah. was he in a whole pit of quicksand? Oh, and, and then, then it turned back to the floor? Oh, I don't know. You know, would he have been completely... What would have happened... If they didn't roll in if time. If they didn't roll in time, yeah. Interesting. But it, it's mostly for the shock value, but you're right. I mean, they are still in the attic, mm-hmm. presumably. Yeah. The second floor is beneath him or whatever. But maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, Peter gets up to the attic. It's Sarah's turn. And they're like, you can finish the game if you roll a seven. And she's like, well, I can't roll. I don't have any hands. They're uh-huh. stuck in the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Alan says, put the dice in your mouth. The way he says it is so weird. I know. Like, like you were talking in your mouth. Normally before. Yeah. So it's Judy grabs the game strange. and starts to bring it over to them. Uh-huh. But then one of those purple flower vine things shoots a poison barb at her. Yeah. Which is like, there weren't any up here. I don't know. It just feels very like. Yeah out like random yeah like i know the vines have shown up randomly throughout the movie but it just seems too convenient yeah it, i mean if we had just seen like vines up the walls in the attic right earlier when they got there it would have made more sense yeah but there weren't but there weren't it just any came this out one of just nowhere truly and just shoots her right in the throat yeah 
I mean, in the throat. Oh, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Peter chops the vine and it dies. Uh-huh. And then he starts attacking spiders. Uh-huh. While Sarah has the... The board game is over Alan's face. Yeah. And she, like, spits the dice onto the board. Yes. And then uh, Judy faints. I know. Very daintily. Daintily. It is cute because Peter runs over to her first and is like, are you okay? You know, and yeah. she's like, I'm fine. Go help them. Right. It's very sweet. Peter is my favorite yeah, he's, character in this whole thing. He's a good kid. The board says, you're almost there with much at stake, but now the ground begins to quake. Uh-oh. Yep. There's a spider that comes running towards, like, Sarah and Alan, and Alan's like, <laughs> just trying to blow it, like, out of the side of his mouth. He can't even turn his face toward it. It's I know. so ineffective, but also very silly. It's goofy. Peter runs over to Judy and is, like, kind of holding her as she's, like, fading in and out of consciousness. And she says, I wish mom and dad were here. I know, it's so sad. I know. It is Alan's turn. Yes, but... but- the house is falling apart. Yes, a whole earthquake is happening and yeah. splitting the entire house in half. It just comes apart yep. right in the middle. Yep. He says, get the game, because it's on like the precipice of this crack that has appeared in the middle of the mm-hmm. attic. But Sarah says, no, I'm not letting you go. Yeah. Which is nice of her. Yeah, this part reminds me of Land Before Time. Oh, God. <laughs> Which part? When the earth shake Oh, the earth shake. Yeah. Oh, God. Everybody gets split up. Yep. So, the game falls down, and then Alan falls down. Yep. But he grabs a vine and some electrical wires on his way down and swings for a bit, nearly into the reach of the lion, which has gotten out somehow. They finally clawed his way out of that wooden door, I guess. I guess. And then swings away, grabs the game, Mm -hmm. rolls onto the floor safely with it. Yeah, the music gets really triumphant at this part, too. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah. He opens it, he grabs the dice, but right before he can roll them, we see... Van Pelt. More like Van Paint, am I right? <laughs> covered in paint, get it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he makes him stand up, and he says, what's in your hand? Drop it. Yeah, so Alan's like, okay. Yeah, drops the dice. One of them lands on the game board, and it's a one, we see. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the other one is, because it goes rolling down into the crack of the house. Yeah. Down the stairs, across the floor. Rolling, 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 rolling. It doesn't matter what the other one is. Alan's only two spaces away. Yeah. He literally anything wins yeah. him the game. Right. I guess it just has to stop rolling before he gets shot. Is the tension here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's rolling. Van Pelt says, end of the line, Sonny Jim. Game's up. Start running? I assume he says start running. Yeah, That's the subtitles on the DVD say stop running. Yeah, but he's just standing there. Right. He says start. He says start running. Yeah. But Alan says, no. Nay. Yeah. I shan't. <laughs> and we see Sarah come down the stairs right at this moment. And Van Pelt says, Aren't you afraid? And he says, No, honestly, at this point, I'm fucking exhausted, and my entire life has been a fucking shit show, so put me out of my <laughs> goddamn Let me misery. Out. Let yeah. me off this goddamn ride. I'm tired. And he says, I'm terrified. We cut back to the dice, which is still rolling. Mm-hmm. He rolling, says, rolling, rolling. My father told me you should always face what you're afraid of. Which, like, true? But maybe not if it's a man with a machine gun that's pointed at you. Right, and also the last time your father told you that, you got beat up by five kids. Yeah. And he didn't understand. Yeah, it didn't work out for you then. Yeah. It got your ass kicked and then possibly sent away to a boys' school. Right. So that didn't quite work out for you last time. And yeah, there are some things that you should stand up and face. This is not one of them. No. He's gonna shoot you. Yeah, you're just gonna die. Anyway... 
Van Pelt says, good lad, you're finally acting like a man. Any last words? Yeah, because the dice has finally stopped rolling. Yep, Alan's little figure has slid into the middle of the game, which reads, Jumanji. I know this is very typical of me to say, but his little elephant figure is so cute. It is really cute. Oh, I love it. He looks up at Van Pelt and he whispers, Jumanji. Mm-hmm. And Vandal makes the weirdest noise that I did not know how to write phonetically. Or he's mm-hmm. like, what? And he says, Jumanji! Yes. But he shoots his gun anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's weird that Van Pelt doesn't know what Jumanji means. When, when... he knows the parameters of the game. Yeah. Because he seems genuinely confused. Yeah. He's like, what? But anyway, he pulls the trigger. Uh-huh. Sarah sees what's happening. And she says, no, Alan, no! And jumps uh-huh. in front of him. But everything starts getting sucked into the game. Yeah, the bullet stops right in front of their faces. Yeah. And then kind of like we saw at the beginning where Alan got sucked in, like starts turning into like sand particles. Yeah. And then suddenly there's an elephant ass coming through the side of the wall and it's getting like this huge tornado and everything's just like swirling around the living room. Yep. Getting put back into this game, including Van Pelt. Yep. And all his paint. Yeah. He's the last thing to get sucked in <laughs> and he just like has his tongue out yeah well i guess because it's too small like his face is sticking out yeah and he's like being squished and he's like oh an elephant fit in there my dude you're fine i yeah i don't get it but then everything is quiet uh-huh and sarah and alan are still holding each other but then we see they're kids again and they're fine yeah except for i mean alan's face still looks like that but other than that they're fine the house is intact everything's okay it's 1969 again and they very clearly remember everything yeah and i think we questioned that in the opening of like do they remember it once it goes back to normal right and they do and then suddenly alan's father walks in yep very brusquely he's like i've forgotten my speech notes because he's still mad because everything just happened two minutes ago british Uh, yeah who knows for some reason. Maybe his whole family was. I don't know. No. I mean, not they've him. They've been there since the Civil War. Mm. The parishes. Mm. General Angus Parish. Mm. I don't know. There's no reason. Anyway. Anyway, Alan's British father is there. He's forgotten <laughs> his speech notes. Alan runs to him and hugs him and he says, I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, he says, I've only been gone five minutes. Alan <laughs> says, seems like a lot longer to me. What is he, my dog? (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Anyway, Sam Parris says, you know, I thought you said you were never going to talk to me again. Yeah, and Alan says, whatever I said, Dad, I'm sorry. Sam says, look, Alan, I was angry. I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry. You don't have to go to Cliffside if you don't want to. Let's talk it over tomorrow, man to man. How about father to son? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Then he leaves. It's a really good impression. Thank you. But before he leaves, Alan says, Dad... Back in 1960, nice. I mean earlier today, mm. at the factory, it wasn't Carl's fault. It was mine. I put that shoe on that conveyor belt. Yes. And Sam is proud of him for owning up to it. Thank yeah. you for telling me, son. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Have a yes. great night. He sees that Sarah is there and is just chill with it. Yeah, why would he worry? His son is a fucking wuss. <laughs> I guess. But he's not even like, hello, Sarah. He just kind of looks at her and leaves. Yeah. Which I was like, all right. Okay. But... As soon as he leaves, Alan remembers and says, holy smokes, Judy and Peter, and goes to run up the stairs to the attic. Yeah, and Sarah's like, Alan, they're not here. It's 1969. And she puts on sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even exist yet. Right, 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 right. 
So she hands him their Jumanji pieces. Yeah, the sounds that they make, like, clanking together is a very satisfying noise. Yeah. They, they, they look sound like marble. And sa- exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. So they're carved out of marble, which is yeah. tight. And so they, he puts them back. And then we cut to, we see Alan and Sarah on a bridge, and they have tied the Jumanji game with a bunch of bricks, and they toss it into the river. Again, I ask. Why doesn't anyone destroy the game? I know. I would like to see someone try poking it in a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Running it over with a car. Realize that it doesn't work. Okay, that's fine. But like, no one one has tried. Everyone's like, well, someone else will find this. As far as we know. Yeah. This is someone else's problem now. Exactly. So Sarah says she's starting to feel like a kid again. She's like, we can't forget what we've gone through. And we especially can't forget Judy and Peter. Right. So... Because she's like, I already am starting to forget what it feels like to be an adult. Right. And so this implies that they're going to forget everything that happened. Right. After a certain amount of time. Yeah. Which we have seen. That happened in other stories and movies. Sure, that's fine. That wouldn't be like a super weird thing to happen. Yeah. And she says, before I feel too much like a kid again, there's something that I have to do. And she smooches Alan. Great. Which is very cute because he's so much shorter than she is. Yeah, it is cute. And then they walk back home with Alan's bike. And now it's Christmas time. And it's uh, 1995 again. Is it? Yeah. It has to be. It has to be, but also around Christmas time in 1995, Judy and Peter's parents were dead Oh, last so year. Maybe it's like 1993. Maybe. But, but they look the same. Yeah, Judy and Peter are- Peter especially would have looked a lot smaller. Yeah, they're exactly the same age. Right. I don't get it. Because Uh-oh. what we see happening, Sarah is, I mean, it's very cute. They're having a Christmas party at their house. They're, yeah. You know, Sarah and Alan are in the parish home. They're having They're a Christmas party. adults again. Yeah. Sarah is pregnant, handing out hors d'oeuvres at this party. Alan is dressed like Santa Claus. He's on the phone with his dad. So his dad, you know, his parents are still around, which is cute. And he's yeah. like, dad, I've got this really cool idea for a new shoe. Well, I got to go, but we'll be at the airport later to pick you up. You'll be yep. the best Christmas present of all. Yeah. Very sweet. He hangs up the phone because Sarah runs up and says, they're here. Yes. And so they go through this crowd. They're like pushing people out of the way. Excuse me. Excuse me. We've got to go. They're here. Oh, my God. They get to the front door mm-hmm. and we see a man and a woman standing there in their foyer and their names are Jim and Martha. And we're like, yeah. who the fuck are these people? Right. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so good to meet you. Alan says, where are the kids? Yes. And they kind of step aside, but they don't say anything. And we see Judy and Peter and Alan says, oh, my God, there they are. And Jim's like, how did you know that these are our kids? Yeah. And Alan's like, oh, I, we just... Uh, You've told us so much see, about them. Yeah. Yeah. Alan says, they're just like I remember them. Or just like, I mean, um, you know, like you told me about. Yeah. So it's all weird. But okay. So now that that's where this problem comes in, which if it's 1995, Jim and Martha should already be dead. Right. So it has to be... It has to be before then. 94 or 93. And these kids should look very different because kids look different month to month when right. they're small. Yeah. So I, I don't understand. But also this means that they do remember everything that happened. Yeah. They remember everything because w- what we learn is that Jim is going to come work for the Paris Shoe Company. Yes. They've hired him. Yeah. Because Alan says, when can you start? And Jim's like, well, I mean, we were thinking about going up to Canada for a skiing trip. And Alan and Sarah both go, no! And which it's I, so loud that yeah. everybody in the in the house stops talking. Yeah, yeah, which I remembered happening, but I couldn't remember why. Yeah. So they also remember that that's how Jim and Martha died. Yeah. Which they learned in passing. 
while right. everything else was happening. And yeah. again, like we were talking about before, how did Alan and Sarah find Jim and Martha to, and convince know. them to come work at this shoe company in Brantford, New Jersey, or wherever the fuck, whatever New England state they live yeah. in? I mean, unless it's like still a huge thriving company and it was like a really good opportunity and maybe they even were like, we'll pay you more than we would pay anyone else because we want to still interact with Judy and Peter, which is kind of weird because Judy and Peter don't remember them at all. No, and they're not the same kids. No, they haven't been through all the things that they've been through. And And honestly, did they bond that much? uh, I mean... Like they went through a trauma together? Yeah, but not super. They never, like, hug. I mean, Peter, Alan hugs Peter at one point and tells him he's sorry. But yeah. Peter's not like, I forgive you and thanks for all your help also, or whatever. And 26 years later. Yeah. Like, that's a long time. Yeah. For 25 years. Right. If the parents are still alive. But yeah, whatever timeline. It's just... Like, I know it was a really eventful, like, 24 hours. Yeah. But I don't think that they would have held on to it this long. No, and also... To go so far out of their way to do this. Yeah, I mean, unless their goal was to keep Jim and Martha alive, you know, if we can keep an eye on them, if they're here working for us, but then they probably should have asked them sooner, because Judy and Peter are 12 and 8, or 11 and not, you know, 6 or whatever, so, like, they could have asked them way sooner, except for, instead of asking them this year, that is presumably 26 years later, just to keep with the timeline of the movie yeah it just none of it makes sense no it doesn't line up at all it, and especially the idea of you know judy and peter are too old to want to hang out with sarah and alan's baby that it's about to be born right and they don't have any other kids so it's not like oh our kids can be friends together and we can watch judy and peter grow up hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah. Judy and Peter don't remember them, and so they're not going to want to hang out with no. these weird adults that own a shoe company. Like, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's it's very weird. I yeah. don't understand that. No. I mean... Also, another thought I just had. Besides just, like, destroying the game, why don't people just decide to be like, oh, we're the keepers of the game? Yeah, just hang on to it. And yeah. And never play it again. Just, like, put it in a lockbox. Yeah, keep it in your house. And lose the key. Yeah. You know, like forever. Yeah. Or keep the key so that no one can ever find because the game calls out to people. Right. And makes them find it. So just make sure you always know where it is. Yeah. Or encase it in some cement so that you can't dig it out with your bare hands. Yes. I mean, I know that they were kids, but yeah, they should have hung on to it. Yeah, like oh, this is my responsibility now. Put it in the attic. I yeah. Don't know. Anyway. Uh I mean, that's pretty much the end. We see the Jumanji game is half buried in some sand and some girls hear the drums and approach it. Mm -hmm. And they're speaking French. So it's gotten very far away, which again, I would like to know, is this game going to read in French? Exactly. Uh, That's it. That's all. That's the end. That's the end. So, uh, I mean, I I got the normal questions for you. Yes. Replay, rewind. 
I mean, I don't know. I know. I feel weird about it now. I know. Upon a rewatch. It is a replay. I would watch it again. But I do not have the warm, fuzzy emotions about it that I thought I was going to have. I know. For one thing, it's very gray. Yes. Like, the whole thing. Yeah. And it should be visually prettier. Absolutely. The colors are super muted, and I don't get why. Yeah, they're brighter in my memory. Yeah. For sure. And that adds to the very overarching, like, melancholy feel of this movie, where it's just full of despair. Like, nothing good happens. No, and, like, you have more questions at the end than what you started with, and it doesn't really feel like... I mean, I guess the only progress made, the whole point of the movie that everyone went through all the saga for, is so that Alan and his dad would get along. Yeah. Which is like... Which is weird, because... Just fucking go to therapy! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Men will literally spend 26 years in the jungle. (laughs) Rather than go to therapy. Yeah, because, I mean, Judy learns to stop lying about not missing her parents, but then they undo all that, so that lesson is lost. Also, yeah, that kid definitely needs to go to therapy. Yeah, her parents died. Yeah. That's it. Both of those children should go to therapy. They, It's good for them. Yeah. Their children and their parents are dead. God. Someone should be helping them, not their aunt who barely knows who they are. And is dragging them to a new town where there's nothing to do. And like a shitty town. Not just like, oh, it's a resort town that's not good for kids. I mean, this town is falling apart. Yeah. And like... There are not a lot of prospects. A a bed and breakfast is not just what that town needs. Let's back up to that point for a second. Nobody wants to be vacationing there. No! It's all run down. Yeah, it's sketchy as fuck. I'm surprised nobody was living in the parish house the way they were in the shoe factory. Yeah, God, no kidding. Anyway, did it make you cry? Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm easily manipulated when Alan is, like, hugging his dad and he's like, you know, I'm really sorry. And he Aww. fesses up to the... He, he does grow. Yeah. You know, he apologizes to his dad and is like, can we just sit down and talk about, you know, me going to this school? And also, I'm the one... Because we actually uh, forgot to mention it, but when Alan is in the backseat of Carl's squad car, he learns that he's a cop because he got fired from the shoe company oh, because yeah, yeah. of what happened yeah, we forgot to talk with about the that. shoe. Yeah. Um, and so he feels bad about that. And so he wants to make sure that his dad knows right away, like, that was my fault. You know, don't fire Carl. It's not his fault. He's, yeah. he's well, good at what he does. If you fire him, one day he'll be the only cop in town. <laughs> it'll be very stressful for him. Yeah. And the, yeah. So, so Alan does grow. And so he is a better person at the end of the movie, which is nice. But yeah, him just like hugging his dad and apologizing and, you know, his dad also softening up and apologizing. Did It did make me cry a little bit. Yeah. The third question. Yeah? Would you play Jumanji? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Even knowing that everything would be okay at the end? No. I don't know if I would either. It does sound kind of fun. If the if it was like... I Again, this is not a fun movie, really. No. Because nothing good ever happens. It's not a fun game. Yeah. Like, if there were good things... Like, if it were a 50-50 chance of, like, a cool thing. Yeah. Or a dangerous thing happening. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, like, it's all just bad. It's all bad, and it's all trying to kill them all the time. And, like, yeah. people go to the jungle all the time and have fun. Absolutely. So, like, there could have been good things where they, like, get to play with a baby elephant or, like... I mean, like... didn't uh, Joe Johnston direct this? Yeah. And he directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Which is, like, they made friends with the ant. Yeah. I mean, it got sad. 
But, you know, like, <laughs> something like that could have happened. It's true, but that was also my complaint in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, is I wanted it to be more fun. Yeah, that's true. I wanted Honestly. more playgroundy things to happen where they're like, we are small and it's a good time. Yeah. I mean, I, but they were in peril the whole time. They had more fun than they did in this movie, though. It's true. At least they got to eat a giant oatmeal cream pie. Yeah, but out of starvation necessity, which, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. That's fair. Y- you were fine. But <sighs> both growing. of these movies, I want it to be more fun, and it is just peril the whole time that's true that's a good point what the fuck joe johnston no i would not play jumanji yeah me neither no especially now i'm way too old (laughs) i mean if i fell down one time (laughs) that's over for you fuck just leave me in the quicksand just let me die all right so the release date which we talked about a little bit before we started recording december 15th 1995 what a weird Christmas movie. Very strange. Like, there is one Christmas scene at the end. Yeah. And I assume, you know, they're trying to take advantage of the, the theater rush yeah. at Christmas. But it's like, this is not. It's just like Hook. Yeah. Where they're like, there's a little bit of Christmassy element to it because it came out in December. Right. But it's not a Christmas movie. No. Like, Alan's dad is not going to a Christmas thing, as far as we know. No. Their house is not decorated for Christmas. No, there's no Christmas tree. It's not even snowing. It's cold. We see that it's cold because everybody, you can see everyone's breath. Yeah. And the old man who's living in the shoe factory is like, you'll freeze out there. Here's some pants. Right. But it's not a Christmas movie. No. And they're in New England, so it could really be like September. Yeah. You know, it gets chilly. Right. Very strange. I don't know. Well, the budget was $65 million. Okay. It made $263 million. Damn. So it did well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and its Rotten Tomatoes score as of today is 55%. Uh, okay. Which I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about it, too. I would have guessed before going into it that it would be a lot higher. Yeah. Because everyone loves this movie. Yeah. But having seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that could be people rating it. Like, I don't know how, honestly, Rotten Tomatoes does it. Is it like, what do you remember of this movie? Or is it like. Did you just watch it? Yeah. It's. It's not even, like, 55% of people who rated it thought it was good. Oh. So it's not that it has an overall score of 55 out of 100. It's right. It's that 55% of people who watched it said it was good. Okay. Which is kind of a weird way to do things. Yeah. But who knows? I don't know. So Robin Williams was originally not supposed to be in this movie. Tom Hanks was the first choice to play Alan Parrish. Yeah. I think that would have fit. I think so. Yeah. Brian Cranston, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Michael Keaton, Bill Paxton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis were all also considered for the role. Uh, Bruce Willis couldn't do it because he was too busy filming Die Hard with a Vengeance, I'm pretty sure. yeah. However, TriStar Pictures said they wouldn't approve the movie unless Robin Williams was in the main role of Alan Parrish. Okay. And I think they really just wanted his appeal like his star power i mean he was a rising star at this point. yeah absolutely which to me has to be the only reason that he was in it. i think so yeah they were just like he's a huge name he's you know huge in family films now you know yeah. at this point by 95 he'd mm-hmm. been in you know movies that we've talked about so far right so i think they were just like we're gonna get more people in here if we put robin williams in this role i guess so but he originally the first time that Robin Williams read the script, he said, no, I don't want to be in this movie because he yeah. didn't like it. So he worked with Joe Johnston and the head screenwriters to do some rewrites until he liked the script. But also, Joe Johnston didn't really want him in this role because he knew that 
Robin Williams' propensity was to improvise. Right. And he was like, there's not a lot of room for improvisation in this movie. Yeah. But Robin Williams was like, that's fine. I see that. It's a super tight script. I will keep it to myself. Yeah. It's okay. I got it. I'll stick to your, you know, your vision here. So they worked together and it was fine. Was it? Well, <laughs> as far as their relationship went. Yeah. Um, There were a couple of scenes where Williams, like, was allowed to improvise and they're in the blooper reel which is on youtube so we'll link it and it's a lot of fun but all of the jokes that he puts in there feel really out of character because alan has no sense of humor no he's not a funny person so it's good that they didn't leave them in there yeah the movie was not super well received as we said 55 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah, Roger Ebert really did not like this movie. He thought it was too scary. He thought that kids were going to be terrified by it. He gave it one and a half stars, which I'm pretty sure is the lowest movie that we have, like the lowest rating that he's given to a movie that we've covered so far. Yeah. Well, he even gave Getting Even With Dad two stars. That's insane. Which I think deserves a negative star. Yes. <laughs> but he did give Baby's Day Out one and a half stars. Okay. For the same reason, though. Yeah, because, he thought that movie was scary, yeah, too. Yeah, he thought it was too scary. Because he's a weenie. Well... He's concerned for the children. Okay. He thinks children are weenies. I think he was scared. Maybe. And is phrasing it in a way that makes him look better. I'm scared for a friend. (laughs) My friend might get scared of a big crocodile. I don't think he would like this. Not me, though. I'm tough. Not me. Tough Ebert, that's what they call me. (laughs) The last paragraph of his review says, The underlying structure of the film seems inspired by, or limited by, interactive video games. There is little attempt to construct a coherent story. Instead, the characters face one threat after another as new and grotesque dangers jump at them. It's like those video games where you achieve one level after another by killing and not getting killed. The ultimate level for young viewers will be being able to sit all the way through the movie. Mm. Harsh. Yeah. Maybe a little too harsh. Yeah, I think it's a little too harsh. Yeah. I don't think the big critique is that it's scary. No. It just misses so many opportunities. Yeah. Uh, for character development. Uh-huh. For bright, shiny colors. Yeah. For adding, like, wonderment and fancy. Right. You know, it could have been funny. It could have had joy in it. There could have been cute things. Yeah. I mean... I... But it it is a... It, I know you're going to talk about it, but, you know, it's based on the Chris Van Allsburg yeah. book. And his books are like that. Are they? Yeah, because he wrote um, Polar Express, too. Oh. And that's very, like... It's good, yeah, but it's very demure. It's true. You know. Well, that makes sense as to why he likes this movie. Oh, yeah. He said he approved of the film, despite the changes from the book and it not being as idiosyncratic and peculiar. Ah, uh, yes. He said the film is faithful in reproducing the chaos level that comes with having a jungle animal in the house. It's a good movie. Thanks, buddy. So, I mean, I guess if he likes it. Sure. That's pretty much it. I have some, a little bit of trivia. Yeah. Not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot out there on this movie. There's just a whole lot to talk about throughout the movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've already been here long enough, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Yeah. Uh, I was going to talk about the book a little bit. It's a really short picture book. Um, I remember reading it. Yeah. Same. Like from when I looked at the cover, I was like, oh yeah, I've definitely read this. Yeah. Uh, Alan and Sarah don't exist at all. It's literally just the story of Judy and Peter. Yeah. Their parents are alive. And out one day, and they go on a walk to the park where they find this jungle adventure game called Jumanji, and they take it home. And the warning message says, do not begin unless you intend to finish, like it does in the movie. Right. They ignore that, they start to play. And then, I mean, it's just, at each time they roll, 
Shit gets fucked. Shit gets starts coming out of it. There's yeah. a lion in the whatever, whatever. Fubar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a lion shows up, a stampede, a monsoon, an explorer comes and wreaks havoc all throughout the house. They finally end the game. Judy rolls a 12, wins, yells Jumanji, everything goes back in. Yeah. They take the game back to the park, abandon it back in the park, just for other people to find. Right. And as they're back at home, they hear their neighbors, Danny and Walter, going back home. Like, oh, we found this game called Jumanji. Oh, no. And Judy basically is like, man, I know that Danny and Walter never read the rules, so they're going to be fucked. Also, they have a tendency to not follow through on things. So they'll probably abandon the game halfway through. Great. Their characters show up in Zathura, which is technically... There's a book called Zathura 2, yeah. which is Jumanji in Space. Right. It's called Zathura, A Space Adventure. We talked about that at uh-huh. the beginning, yeah. So the movie is technically a sequel, but in no way... It's a spiritual sequel. Exactly. Yeah, in the movie, it's no way related. Like, they don't ever say, like... Yeah. Which I think led some people to kind of believe, like, man, Zathura is such a ripoff. It's just Jumanji in Space. But it's like, oh. but it's the same guy. Like, yeah, nobody's it's actually... It's, yeah. yeah, they just don't ever mention in the movie that they're related. So yeah. I think a lot of people didn't know that. Um, and now, of course, there's the two sequels with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, uh-huh. and The Next Level. Yes. I have seen Welcome to the Jungle. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I haven't seen The Next Level yet. I might or I might not. I do love Danny Glover a lot, so probably we'll see it at some point. Oh, is he in the second one? Yeah. Cute. Because the first one, it's like, they upgrade it to a video game. Yeah. And. Honestly, I wasn't watching the new ones because I was like, no, I have too much nostalgia for the old ones and I know how very different they are. Yeah. But now that I've rewatched the old one, I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I would like the new ones since I'm kind of disappointed in the 95 version. Truly. Um, yeah, I mean, the the one that I watched is really silly and fun. Kevin yeah. Hart's in it, and he's silly. Jack Black's in it, and of course, you know, we love him. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson also as well, yeah. so it's a good time. And yeah, it's they get sucked into a video game, and they have to pick, like, from their avatars, so Jack Black is embodied by this, like, teenage preppy girl. Yeah. And so he keeps acting like a preppy teen girl the whole time, so That's it's, cute. like, a lot of fun. And <laughs> Kevin Hart, like, the kid who is playing him is like this giant football player and so he gets in the game and he's like what the fuck Uh. you know and somebody's like oh man you know like this is crazy i look like this and he's like i'm missing my top half (laughs) so he's like freaking out so it's really cute and then in the second one in the next level it's like danny glover and his old friends are the ones who get sucked into the game so they're like old people trying to figure out how to play this video game that's kind of cute yeah so anyway uh, back to what I was talking about. Sorry yes. to go off on that tiny little tangent. You're good. Uh, Kirstie Alley was considered for Sarah Whittle, but yeah. she was busy filming It Takes Two, which I'm very uh, excited to one day do an episode yes. about. And Scarlett Johansson auditioned for the part of Judy Shepard. Oh, okay. Bradley Pierce, who plays Peter, uh-huh. also voiced Chip in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, cute. But he hasn't really done a lot of things since then. No, he hasn't. He had to undergo three and a half hours of prosthetic makeup application daily for a period of two and a half months shit to film the scenes where he's a monkey also when i was watching the behind the scenes kirsten dunce was talking about how it took them like two weeks to film the scenes where they're in the water oh because it took so long to get the animatronics working and to get the shots right and just filming in water is hard right (laughs) also on talking about that scene in an interview that he did on Clive Anderson All Talk in 1999, Robin Williams was talking about filming that scene because he's actually the one wrestling this alligator puppet. Oh, yeah. It's not like a stunt double. No, it's, it's just, just him. him. Yeah. 
and he it's like a puppet but it has a man in it and he like got really carried away at some point oh. and thumped it on the head with his elbow and he heard this guy and they're like hey <laughs> he's like oh shit sorry dude <laughs> forgot there was a person in there my bad i thought i was wrestling a crocodile right <laughs> so it's just really cute probably to hear this man's voice coming out of this giant Hi. scary beast just like ow well but that's it all right the end that's it that's all <sighs> so much so much yeah that's a lot but i mean there there is a lot that happens in this movie um yeah and i yeah. feel i guess differently about it i feel, now. feel a little weird about it i'm a little sad yep but let us know what you think yeah and you know how you can do that how can you do that you can go to instagram tumblr or you can email us all of those are replay rewind podcast at gmail.com for the email <laughs> that was graceful or on twitter replay rewind pod yeah, if you want to listen to our other episodes, you can check them out on Stitcher or Spotify or Apple or Google. And if you want more extra fun shit, yeah. you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash replay rewind podcast and see all of our bonus episodes. We will shout out your name on the show. Yep. We'll mail you a sticker. Yep. And we've got just extra fun things. Every month we do like a long form episode where we pick a movie that was in the time frame but is not a kids movie right and this month for robin williams month we're doing death to smoochie which is a lot of fun yeah we'll yeah. rewrite movies that we didn't like as long as you pay i think it's like eight dollars a month yeah you'll get a bonus episode every week yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's worth it for sure yeah yeah go and check it out there's a lot of goofy shit the money helps us pay for cool shit like upgrading our audio equipment and yeah. or building walls in the pod cave Yes. Instead of using bookcases covered in blankets. I mean, here we are in our fancy office. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely air conditioned and we're not dying. Yep. Feels <laughs> great in here. Um. Never want to leave. Nope. That can be arranged. <laughs> it, it really helps us out if you just like and subscribe or leave a review or just tell your friends. You know, yeah. if you just spread the word and more people listen to it, then we will keep doing fun stuff like this. So if you could tell other people, that would be great. And we love you so much. And you're the best. In the meantime, stay fresh, cheese bags. And don't forget to reduce, reuse, recycle, replay, rewind, and re-roll. Yes.